just a few short days, we enter a new era of Star Wars. Mm. We have never been closer to the High Republic. This is the closest we've ever been. The closest we've ever been. And I can't tell you how excited I am. I am... We've been looking forward to this all year. We were teased about Project Luminous for a few months. We finally got the details last January. Mm-hmm. And now here we are. Should have been out a couple months ago. But now we're going to get so much more all rolled up into just a one-month time frame here in the beginning of the year. And that's where we're starting because the High yeah. Republic is not only launching, not only is this a huge new era and a next step for Star Wars, we're getting multiple books, comic books, and eventually a TV show set in this era. So there is a lot to unpack here, and that's where we're going to start. Yeah, if you're listening to this live, just yesterday... We saw the release of The High Republic, Light of the Jedi. The very first novel from Del Rey taking place in this time period that is 200 years before The Phantom Menace, Mm -hmm. give or take. So not only do we have The Light of the Jedi being released, we also have a Disney novel... A Test of Courage being released on that same day. The second Star Wars High Republic novel. So in one day... We're having both the full-on adult reader book and the young reader book come out. And these books are going to all work and be tied together in ways that complement the characters and the story and the plot. Mm-hmm. So it's a really, really exciting initiative. This is you know multiple authors working on this over years and years of work. Uh, it was just revealed recently that some things that have been, you know, placed into other stories throughout the last couple years are sort of coming into some of this High Republic stuff now, too. So there's lots of seeds of uh, enjoyment that we've already started to see from this, and we haven't really even felt it yet. Mac, how excited are you? Are you going to be reading Light of the Jedi? So Light of the Jedi I have on pre-order and Audible, so I'll be listening to that through audiobook. I don't know how I'm going to finish Certain Point of View before then. I might not. Um, But I, I... I'm so excited because we we've talked uh, a little bit on air and off air about like just how excited because like for us in in different ways like the publishing side of Star Wars has been a huge part of our fandoms. Uh, I'm more like ironically the old comic books because I don't really like the new comic books, but like I love the old comic books. Like Dark Horse Publishing was kind of one of the biggest chunks of my fandom, and of course read a whole bunch of like the Rogue. Uh, the Tales books, the Rogue Squadron books, like that was a lot of what carried the EU. So it's really kind of cool to see that in current canon, now we're having another big publishing initiative where all the printed media is producing its own kind of like chunk of Star Wars. Yeah, it was really nice to have the Journey 2 line over these last five years. You know, the Journey Mm. to the Force Awakens with Aftermath is what really started it. But, you know, we had these sort of tie-in projects to the films that were being released. And that was great. I love that. I mean, we've talked about it at length, how Catalyst is one of our uh, our, our favorite movie tie-in novels. So good. Uh, And I've talked about how much Rebel Rising is fantastic. So there are some really, really great books out there that um, help add to and plus up some Star Wars films. But this is the first time in this new canon where we are getting a unique original group of characters and stories. And really, as far as we can tell, the only character that's going to be in these stories that we already know is Yoda. Right. 
Right. Everything else should be fresh and new. Right. Or my suspicion is if they bring in any like legacy or tied legacy characters, like, oh, it's Blank's grandfather, like any of that stuff. I'm going to guess that comes maybe later. I think the whole thing is sure. we're introducing a whole fresh cast. Yeah. We, we want to get this all started. And I still think the most amazing thing about this initiative is like everybody's playing nice. It's like Lucas Books. It's Disney Publishing. It's Delray. It's like all the different publishers. It's not just Marvel Comics, which produces the High Republic, which released today, if you're listening to this when it releases. But like, there's also like other studios like um, IDW. IDW is going to be printing stuff. And it's like, everyone's playing nice. That's weird. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we should be having, right? In Star Wars. Um, I should also point out, same day, there is the children's book, The Great Jedi Rescue, coming out. Uh, yes. Very excited about that, because it's written by Kevin Scott, who has done some great things in Star Wars already and plans to do many more great things. Um, as Max stated, a bunch of comics are coming out in January as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Star Wars number 10, Vader number 9, Afro number 7. Uh, and then at the end of the month, we do get the... Um, Mandalorian Art and Imagery Collector's Edition Volume 2. So remember we talked about Volume 1 recently, and not to be confused with, there is a Mandalorian Visual Dictionary coming out this year, but that is separate. Yeah, we talked about, like, they finally have gotten to a place with Mando that they feel comfortable releasing some of this material we're used to from a Star Wars release. Um, I think you can just see that, I I think they were worried about Mando Season 1. I think they're like, I think we really had got something, but we're not sure. Because it's like, all the merchandising marketing that you'd expect from like a major Star Wars movie release yeah. came with Mando season two. It was like all this pent up energy of how excited people were with Mando one yeah. and now with a full like, you know, um showing that the the marketing engine is fully operational, the whole wave of See, there is not anything you can't if it's an object, you can buy it with Grogu on it. Somewhere out there. It exists with Grogu on it. And I agree with this, but it's funny you bring it up uh, because I really expected more. I actually thought overall, like, yeah, you can get the the mugs. You can get 100 different travel mugs and there's 50 different pop sockets. But like I was expecting when we heard, oh, we're going to have Mando Mondays. We're going to have all this. Like, okay, so the Marshall airs, right? And on Monday, I can buy a Cobb Vanth action figure. I can buy a Crate Dragon playset. I can buy... And that wasn't the case. It's here's 10 more stuffed animals. No, I think your problem is I, you it's, know, it's, it's it's very variable. I, I would also say, I think you're discounting. The Mando's gotten a lot of love for, like, as someone who doesn't collect Black Series figures, yeah. but said, oh, you know what? I think after I got that carbonized Mando, because it just happened I was hanging out with you and I got a good shot at it. Cool. I'll just collect Mandalorians. Oh, that seemed easy. But now there's the Super Commando, the Armorer, yeah. the variations on, on yeah. uh, Din Like... There's a lot of Mando figures, just saying. That's true, but not from season two. It's like, oh, like we got like Grief Karga and Quill and uh, Moff Gideon, like these things we well, should that's have what already I mean is, had. And it it's feels, weird. It feels like it drifted and it's like this delayed. It, it This feels like the marketing support for the launch of Mando, not season two yeah, of it does, Mando. It does. Exactly. Exactly. And that was a bit of a surprise for me. Because there's like a part of me that's like, this is one of these awkward things where like, hey, there's the Mando art book. I'm like, there's part of me that wants to buy that. 
There's another part of me that wants to wait for the show to be finished and get the actual full art book. But if that's the case, then it'll be like when you buy the trilogy edition of like the art yeah. art books where like, <laughs> yeah, you get the majority of the good pieces, but there's other pieces that are only in those separate art books. And it's like, I don't want to buy all these art books all the time. <laughs> <laughs> We'll get ready because you're gonna. I know. Uh, well, don't worry. I will buy them for you so you don't have to. It's basically, I wish that this Mando art book was either Mando season one art. Yeah. Or even Mando season one and two art. Like specifically said, this is the volume of a continued series rather yeah. than here's the Mandalorian art book. I'm like, yeah, but you're not going to include anything you've done for pre-production for season three because that'll ruin things. Oh, of course not. Which means you're eventually going to have like a season three and four art book or like a whole... I, Boils my brain. Star Wars collecting, baby. Um, so anyway, that is January. Uh, lots of Star Wars to look forward to, mostly oh. the High Republic. And one little connected piece that we'll talk about later as we get in the year, but also, in theory, the filming of the Obi-Wan series begins oh, this month. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Um, great. Uh, and I think that's important to note because I don't expect it'll be out this year. Um no, I don't think. Well, we'll talk about what shows are coming this year. We will. Yeah, there's a lot of good <laughs> stuff coming. All right, let's get into February because February starts big with the new Claudia Gray novel. Yes. We have been waiting and waiting and waiting for a new Claudia Gray Star Wars novel after uh, Master and Apprentice and Leia, Princess of Alderaan and Lost Stars and Bloodline were all so amazing. We're, so we're pretty we big fans over there. With a High Republic, Claudia Gray story. Um, I, I mean, I, I'm so excited. I've Into tried to learn dark. as little about the book as possible. Uh, we've stated this before, but neither of us have read the eight chapters of Light of the Jedi that have been released. Right. So we are pretty much, in fact, I think Mac even knows more than I do about the High Republic era. So we are I, really going yeah. into this minimal here. Yeah, I mean, mostly what I know about, um, and and that's because it, it came out of those books, is what's interesting about the High Republic, and maybe I, eh, I'll skirt around it. Um, it's a different kind of crisis. It's not a war. War's not the reason the galaxy is having to react and deal with stuff. It's a much more humanitarian thing, which is going to be a great way for the Jedi to really shine, but also be tested. So, um, yeah, I don't want to say anything more. If, if people are, are like you and I try to be as dark as possible, going in as blind as possible, I, I probably shouldn't say anything more. Yeah, I mean, well, that's the beauty of it is it's so close now. It is. There's no point in uh, in spoiling anything. We are we have never been closer. Uh, in fact, like we said, hopefully you've read some of these already. Mm -hmm. Now in February, uh, there's a lot of you know comics coming out again. High Republic two, Star Wars eleven, lots of Star Wars adventure stuff. Uh, some international books coming out. One thing I want to point out in the middle of the month, uh, a new Phantom Menace graphic novel adaptation is coming out from IDW. That looks uh, looks beautiful, and I, I'm excited. I think I'll probably be picking that one up. I think it's interesting because it's it's that's what ruined um, Phantom Menace for me because uh, I bought the Dark Horse adaptation oh, like no. a week before it came oh, out. Oh yeah, uh, I was very happy because I didn't know that Padme was the queen, so that was still a surprise. But I totally knew that Darth Maul gets cut in half because mm. it was like a two page splash of him just like going. I'm in half. That's not good. There's no coming back from that. <laughs> uh, but no anyway. coming back from that. Uh, let's see. And it, nothing really else. February uh, kicks off big, but there, there's not a lot. 
happening. Well, IDW also is doing uh, the Rise of Skywalker adaptation as well. I want to throw that out there. Mm. They're trying to get to eventually, like, um, all nine movies being translated into... Sure. I can't remember the name of the artist off the top of my head, but, like, kind of this one look, a consistent look for all of those Mm -hmm. interpretations, Mm -hmm. which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Well, that sounds like fun. Um, Probably won't be buying the Rise of Skywalker one myself, but uh, Phantom Menace one, I think that'll be on the shelf. I think that's fair. Yeah, I can't wait. Just wait till you get all all other eight and then see if you still have the resistance to... Uh, uh, I know, shut up. Completionism. Uh, March. March is a little bit bigger because March starts out with the uh, apparently finale of the Alphabet Squadron books... Mm-hmm. Uh, they never said trilogy. They said series when they first started it. So I was a little surprised to see we were ending it at three. Yeah. But after, um, well, I've said it before and I'll say it again. They're well, just, I don't think they're for me. I don't think they're my types of books. Here's the, uh, I know tons of people love them and I cannot wait to read this one. Well, I think the other thing about it is with the announcement of a new fighter pilot franchise for for star wars i could understand them sort of clearing the deck and saying yeah this isn't going to be an ongoing concern because we've got another ongoing concern that we might be publishing a longer winded continual series about yeah wouldn't be surprised if we got some rogue squadron novels coming back into the fray well you know let's say 2023 for 2023 is it do we even say it victory's price victory's price will lark on the cover another gorgeous cover Mm -hmm. continuing the trend of don't judge a book by its cover just because it looks at sight doesn't mean it will be but um i know there's a ton of people who really really like these uh really like these stories there is a lot of great stuff and to me the thing that is the coolest about it is we're getting to see information and see things learn information about the new republic era because these stories all take place in the new republic era so if you're really enjoying that mandalorian timeline and you want more stories from that era of star wars i'd highly highly recommend picking up alphabet squadron and the second book shadowfall uh to preemptively uh, prepare for this one yeah if squadrons is lighting you up and going like this is what i love about star wars like Mm -hmm. that's that's where that's your destination Mm -hmm. come join us Mm -hmm. over here (laughs) Mm -hmm. um really really and and i don't want to make it sound like they're bad books they're just not for me no, you've said like yeah. I, I don't want the fighter pilot like stuff sh- isn't, and and the interpretation of the fighter pilot stuff is just not. That's not what you're here. It's for. just meant to be on film. You're you're meant to see that. Reading about it, I just it, it's tough. It loses for energy for you. Yeah, I'd be interested to try an audio book of one of these. Yeah, no, that might that might help because it's day, more kinetic yeah. that way. Yeah, and uh, I'm interested to see. Maybe they will surprise me because the twist at the end of the second book, which I will not say. Um, and I use twist in air quotes because it's, I think, kind of odd, uh, but left me very, very disappointed because it feels mm-hmm. like it's really telegraphing. It really feels like it's limiting where the story, where this third book can go to basically one of two paths. Mm-hmm. And I hope I'm surprised. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. So we'll see. I'm optimistic. We'll find out together. We will. Uh, more comic books coming out in the month of March. High Republic number three. Um, uh, Let's see, the Dr. Afra Omnibus. So is this the original Afra run? Let's see. No, I think it's more than just the one. I think it's I think it's like a year pulled together. Oh man. Forthcoming hardcover compilation of the entirety of Marvel Comics Dr. Afra published between sixteen and nineteen. 
Yeah, as I say, yeah. So, so the this includes higher first run. So this includes Doctor Afra one through forty, Doctor Afra Annual one through three, Darth Vader three, four, eight, twenty one, twenty five, Star Wars two thousand fifteen run thirteen nineteen thirty two thirty thirty one to thirty two, the Star Wars Screaming Citadel number one, and material from Star Wars Empire Ascendant from twenty twenty. It's literally every appearance of Dr. Afra <laughs> up to 2020. Yeah. It's, so if you're wanting to get caught up on Afra and uh, the audio drama was not uh, you know, fulfilling for you, this is a great and cost-effective I, way to do it. We're going to have to talk about it's her. it's any more than $40. We're going to have to talk about her this year because she is – You just we'll get the Omnibus. We'll just read it live and then you'll yeah. know everything. <laughs> no, uh, she's such an important – like. I guess new blood character to Star Wars. I yeah. mean, she's probably she is by far the newest piece of Galactic Civil War. Like, yeah, the most prominent new addition that Disney's provided to the Galactic Civil War yes, period for sure, for sure. Uh, I do want to point out. I did speaking of Afra. I mm-hmm. did just order um, all of the uh, first collections. Um, are available now for the new runs. So like mm. uh like Star Wars 2020 Volume 1, the new run of Darth Vader, like the first six issue trades mm-hmm. are available now. So I did order all of those because before we had talked about this, I decided I had was gonna do the yearlies. I was gonna do the hardcover yearlies. Yeah, the but trades. when they eventually decided to not do that for the final run of Star Wars 2015, and they only <laughs> did the first three years, that kind of you know ruined my blood a little bit so now i've decided i'm going to start just getting the trades and i'm going to you know worry about the back catalog as i go because i got maybe about a third of them already but uh the new ones i'm just going to try and preemptively get as they come out so i don't fall behind yeah comic book collecting is just a pain in the butt because it's it's so fickle of a market Mm -hmm, and it's mm -hmm. like why didn't they produce the last one in hardback well the previous ones just didn't sell enough for them to justify doing that that doesn't matter to the collectors who have already bought all of them. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, you made a promise. Oh, no, comics don't promise anything yeah. ever. And they also, you would think, okay, that's fine. Don't print that. Print them all in one big hardcover omnibus, which like is we're doing here. Which is the thing is, though. And they have not. Th- this scale, like this thick of a yeah. comic book collection, is pretty rare. Yeah. Um. Because even when they usually do this stuff, like um, two classic examples are DC's and Marvel's independent Spotlight and um, Essentials. They usually go to like, oh, well, these are just printed in black and white. That's how we're justifying the printing costs of something this this massive of a volume. Um, and then it's also getting weird because I'm assuming that marketplace is getting destroyed as more and more people are starting to like pull their weeklies from like Comixology and other digital storefronts. Which really hurts the marketplace for collector's editions because there's just not as many people buying them. I don't know. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. I obviously don't know enough about the world of comic books to really have an opinion on this. Uh, But I'm excited about Star Wars comics and where they're headed. And uh, I'm excited to read the High Republic comics. So uh, well, and, I'm pretty pumped. Yeah, and I'm very excited. I also like the fact that, again, they're bifurcating it because, like, IDW is publishing the Star Wars Adventures for High Republic, which are more uh, children's comics. I mean, I don't yeah. think any adult's going to be insulted by their intelligence reading them, but they're they're simpler, funner, Saturday morning cartoon kind of adventures. Um, and I think it's nice that we have I, – I think what's really cool about the High Republic is it's the whole spectrum of Star Wars. Like a movie release, we are hitting seven-year-olds, nine-year-olds, 12-year-olds, 
way, way older than 12 year olds, you know, the yes. whole spectrum. And I think that's what makes the High Republic just so exciting is it's just it, it not yeah. since like Shadows of the Empire and stuff have we had something that like this is super important and it's yeah. never going to be filmed. I mean, this does feel like the follow up to Shadows of the Empire, I think, for a lot of us that grew up in that era of Star Wars and that that push is a big part of our fandom. I think this really is kind of filling that hole. Yeah, and my suspicion is if it does well, you'll see things like maybe video games and stuff that tie mm-hmm. into it. But I think this is going to be like Shadows of the Empire. Like, this is everything that Star Wars does except live action film. Like, well, I think that's going to be the one gap. And things- Until we get to the Alkalite. Hmm? Until we get to the Alkalite, which is the High Republic show they've announced. Well, that's that's further off. That's not 2021. That's, no, yeah, that's, that's in the- yeah. So you don't have to look at me like that now. We'll talk I'm about looking that at you later. weird because I'm like, oh, yeah. the future is in motion. Because I'm like, I don't, I don't recall that. I've heard of that, but I don't yeah. think it was officially announced. Was it? It was on the screen with all the other shows. I don't know what you're talking about. The Leslie Headland, the Acolyte, yeah, yeah, the one that there's a title card for, and it was right next to all the other shows on the screen when they were talking. I'm about just gonna it. keep looking at you weird, and uh, yeah. um, when we take a break, I'll look at that and okay. I'll see what I think about that. Yeah, well, luckily that's not in that's uh, not in this year in no, March no. of 2021, so we don't have to worry about it too much. <laughs> that's true. One thing that is in March of 2021 is the Legends Collection. Um, so this is something that I've been looking forward to, uh, the Star Wars Insider Legends Fiction Collection Volume 1. I have this one on pre-order. This is a collection of short stories that were published that are all legend stories now, initially published in Star Wars Insider. So if you don't know, Star Wars authors write short stories that sometimes end up in the back of like paperback books as expanded editions that sometimes end up in, um... You know, like uh, like like prologues to other books. Like basically, they seed them out as little ways to get characters and stories out there, as sort of little ways to kind of whet the appetite. Mm-hmm. And these were published in Star Wars Insider for years and years and years. And this is just a collection of them. Right. And I think it's going to be fantastic. And assuming they do a volume two, I, I think I will be getting that as well. So really looking forward to this. I think it'll be a nice reference book to have around. Um. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm excited about it. No, it's it's pretty cool. Again, not not necessarily where my fandom lives, but it's neat. For sure. Uh, yeah, I was interested to hear what you'd think about, you know, more Legends stuff getting published because they're it's... publishing collections of Legends comics. They're publishing collections of these Legends short stories. I, I, it's nice to have. Here's the reality. I bought, like, almost all the comic books for digital from Dark Horse because um, they had a fire sale, like, the weekend before they lost their, their license. Yeah. Um, so I own all that in a nice permanent form. I, sure, I, I, sure. I guess the point of the matter is, like, in my brain, I'm more happy to leave Legends lie because I find it, at best, I find it odd to confuse the marketplace because while you can put Legends as, you can put the biggest gold banner on the top of it, people are going to be confused about what is in and what isn't. We still are. We are Star Wars experts. And every once in a while I go like, oh, crap, is that canon yet? Or is that not canon anymore? I don't remember. Like, my wires are already crossed enough that, like, for this, especially for doing this show, like, I've tried to not purge my mind of legends, but, like, really put them in the archives. Like, the end of Indiana Jones, they are, they're still there, safe and sound. 
Don't ask me to recall anything in particular because it's really messy in there. <laughs> um, and like the republishing of, of Legends just seems, again, at worst, a little mercenary of like you're trying to double dip on stuff you've already made all your money on. You know, it's like those stories are already second class citizens and you know that gussing them up and trying to pretend guys, but this was important. I'm like, stop reselling this things. You've already sold me. Yeah. Like, like I don't like the idea of like, Hey, you know, like one thing I'm very scared about is eventually, and I think it will eventually happen. And I'm, I don't want it to happen is like, Hey, we're releasing some of the old uh, dark horse comics with not early nineties coloring. We're recoloring all of them in modern coloring techniques. Cause Marvel has done some of that with their older comics and like, no, I don't want to rebuy it again. <laughs> And if you make it look really pretty, I will rebuy it again. And then I, like, well, I have to rebuy it again. <laughs> Definitely an us problem. But yes. Oh, very much. Very but much. Yes, That's true. I, uh, I mean, hey, I admit, this is what makes Star Wars collecting and thinking about the future exciting. Is it's because true. we don't, won't really know until it's out, of course, or until these things happen. Right. But boy, it is fun to think about. All right. Ready to talk April? Yeah, yeah, I got now, one big one in April I care about. April starts with something very interesting that we don't know a lot about yet, but The Skywalkers, A Family at War, is a large book mm -hmm. coming to the Star Wars universe that is supposed to be all about exploring the family itself, mm -hmm. their history, and their actions throughout the Galactic Wars, the Clone Wars and the Civil War. Right? And it seems, and we're expecting to get some nice fresh kind of details especially from some of the ancillary members yes um, um so the the publisher summary even talks about shmi's immaculate conception mm -hmm. and i think that's the thing a lot of us are looking forward to and then um you know what i think for me personally whatever it has to tell us about ben and ray uh as well are the things that i'm looking forward to from it i'm interested in that but also cleek lars yeah yeah i mean that's a really great point i didn't even think of good old cleek you well, know, the Lars leg. family's got to be be in there. Like, yeah. I'm also curious to see some of the more like missing 19 years of Luke's upbringing and yeah. stuff. I, I don't think I, I don't think it's going to focus on that yeah, stuff necessarily, yeah, yeah. But, but we might see some of that, and it'll be interesting to see if that specifically Luke's you know 19 years, if any of that's in the Kenobi show. Oh um, yeah, with, you know, a 10 year old Luke running around. Oh my god, I just yeah no, I mean, I want I want Anchorhead Station mm -hmm. to be in. Do you visual think canon? If there was like always a, on the cutting room a floor. preteen Luke in the Kenobi show, people will be mad because he's not a badass. Do you think? Mm, I bet. I, I bet there'll be people. Maybe, but I suspect that the the cameos we're talking about are like literally a lost child. Because I think the whole thing about it is like there is nothing in current canon that would upset the idea of Obi Wan Kenobi and Luke meeting before New Hope. You know, like oh, Luke no. is very I mean, aware of this man. He's yeah. in the community. Like everyone I mean, knows about the crazy old wizard. Yeah, they meet. I, I think they meet. They have already canonical stories, like in from a certain point of view. And oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think in the comics. So I think they have canonically already some met. You're other right. meanings. Pre, what I'm saying yeah. is, like, if if there's an arc, like it's not going to be like Ahsoka, where like, oh yeah, he was training Luke from the age ten, and then Luke just went off and. Followed his uncle. Like, no, no, there's not going to be anything no, significant. No, 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 no. It'll be more like him saving him or. Yeah. I, I'm not going to lie. All I want is I want Obi-Wan, the Obi-Wan Kenobi show, if it's going to go that route. I want I want the stone needle fly through of the Skyhopper where Luke and like Fixer are having a race. I just want to see that like Luke and his friends find some way to be a little bit more th thickly installed into canon. I mean, I'm here for that. 
So I know you are too. And, and, and like I said, I think some books like the the Skywalker War, like that. That to me, that's the part I'm kind of like, yeah, give me all the stuff that happens in the before the Battle of Yavin. Because after the Battle of Yavin, I'm like, ah, I kind of know what happens. We've seen that. Yeah, we've seen that tale play out. Uh, I completely agree. I think it's going to be super exciting, and that is one that I cannot wait to get my hands on. Uh, that same month, there is going to be, uh, you know, some more trades published, Star Wars Volume 2. Uh, but one thing I'm kind of also looking forward to, the Book of Monsters, Ooze, and Slime. Be disgusted by weird and wonderful Star Wars facts. This is a DK book. So, yeah. you know, a children's fact book, the type of thing you'd find at the uh, the book sale. Uh, but this is one I'm excited for, too. I think this for- will probably be a buy. From the makers of, of, you know, of Grossology comes, like... Yeah. The 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 boys are always impressed by gross things. Book, um, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, the one I'm really looking forward to in April is the art of Galaxy's Edge. Yes, yes, yes. So a full on art book that will also be a uh, well a buy. I don't know any, I, any other way I to will put be, it. Yeah, I'll be buying that too. And I think to me, I think the interesting thing is like I'm curious to see that because. You're going to get a lot of the Imagineering and like how, like, as far as now, both Galaxy's Edges are kind of built into a bowl and how they use forced perspective and all this other art techniques to make you feel like you're on a different planet and all that good stuff. And then the other thing, again, against what I was saying about like with the Mandalorian is I also like that this is a finished idea. Like they will eventually expand those parks, I'm sure. But like galaxy's edge like you can get an art book that's the entire encompassing of from concept to finished product of what phase one of star wars land is is and um and they and that place is fantastically interesting to look at (laughs) and it's amazing how much batu is installed in star wars from that announcement to all the different like Mm -hmm. from thrawn to like all the different ways Batu is installed, it's like, wow, yeah, this is the like the hole in the wall of the galaxy. This I know. It's only a matter of time till a film takes us there or a show takes us there. It's almost insane that Mandalorian hasn't already gotten to stop by, you know, Black Spire Outpost. Yeah, you're totally It feels right. like it has to. On a long enough timeline, Mando yeah. has to it doesn't even have to be a thing, just stop off there. Yeah. <laughs> uh get some hyperfuel and move on. <laughs> Um, I mean, hey, there's time. There's time. I don't think there's any reason to end it anytime soon. All right. At the end of the month, the 27th of April, Thrawn Ascendancy Greater Good, the second Thrawn Ascendancy novel, rolls off the tongue way more than Thrawn Ascendancy Chaos Rising. Mm -hmm. Um, It's got a nice red cover. Looking forward to it. Still have not finished Chaos Rising, so can't really say a whole lot about this one. And in the same vein of Mac trying to protect himself from Star Wars information, it it floored me that, like, somehow there's a Thrawn book I apparently forgot about. He's like, oh, yeah, well, this is the Thrawn Ascendancy trilogy. I'm like, no, isn't this the third book? No, it's the fourth. Like, wait. <laughs> like, do we math puzzle? Like, oh no, there already were like the first Thrawn trilogy. Now we're on the second Thrawn trilogy. Oh, oh God, I I don't know what I'm doing. I don't. I, I have a Star Wars podcast. I should be better than this. It's a lot of Star Wars to keep up with, and I mean, hey, you keep track of the ships. I'll keep track yeah. of the books. And for the record, the other thing about it is, I don't think I could be completely blamed for this because, well, I really think these books have been fantastic. Um, I'm still behind on them, but like, they're fantastic. They do try to have the most generic marketing soup names. It's tough, especially when you're 
you've got other you've got old Thrawn books to compare to. You've got yeah yeah no. There's one point one point we were trying to figure it out and we're like yeah and then there's like uh what uh Dark Force Rising. It's like oh no no that's the Legends book. Never mind that's yeah. that's old. But man, doesn't that sound like a current marketing soup name for a book? <laughs> so they've been doing it forever. Yeah, it's, it's not it's a always new been phenomenon. Way. Rising, okay. origin, storm. It's just chaos. <laughs> we use these words a lot. Uh, okay. Eventually, so, they'll have to shuffle them up in a different way. All right. You ready to head into May? May is a little bit of a shorter month, but maybe that's because there'll be more surprises to come. And, and I think, honestly, I think that's why it is on the short list. Because May the 4th, we usually get some fun announcements in around the impact zone of that. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised that if Obi-Wan does start filming on time, that you wouldn't be see like the first set of production stills come out for Obi-Wan for the May the 4th um, to get people excited, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, totally. Um, it, you know, May the 4th is, is our I high holy day. Weekly uh, magazine spread, maybe. I, th- yeah. That kind of thing. Like, I don't, I'm not expecting for, you know, them to, you know, May the 4th has never been a date where they're just like, oh, boom, like, hey, a new movie's launching. Like, we don't launch movies in the summer anymore. We do that in December. But, like, you know, we, it's always a celebration. Like, 2020, we had an awesome one with the Clone Wars finale basically being built around that. That was fantastic. Yes, I don't expect was. anything that big, yeah. but I do expect that one of the reasons this week is this month is a little lean is because there's stuff that hasn't happened yet that will. I like to believe that. Let's talk about what is coming. So on the 4th, we have the Guardians of the Wills manga adaptation. So mm-hmm. this is a uh, this was a uh, Disney, you know, novel young adult book. Mhm. Just like Leia, Princess of Alderaan, and Legends of Luke Skywalker, the Lost Stars, these books that have already been given the manga treatment. Yeah. And here's another one. Mhm. Guardians of the Wills was a fun book. It's about, uh, you know, I read it when it came out. It's about Baze and Chirrut from Rogue One um, sort of helping out their little town of Jet on Jeddah uh, before the Empire destroys it. And it's, I'm sure, going to make a great manga adaptation, too. Well, and I think it's actually, to, to be honest, I think it's also very well connected to the manga art form because these guys are somewhat petronaturally good fighters. And that, that just... That seems like a good fit for manga storytelling. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. It does feel, have that manga feel to it. You're absolutely right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And then there's just a smattering of some other... Yeah, children's stuff. Yeah, uh, children's, you know, children's stuff. Um, some Mandalorian stuff. Some some clone stuff. But yeah, children's, children's stuff. Stuff that will probably fly under our radar a lot. Yep. Yeah. And um, then the only other rumors are there's... Um, there, there's, there's talk that squadrons might have another expansion pack by then. They're going to be releasing the B wing. Everyone expects that should be out fairly soon, like in the next month or two. And there's a lot of rumors that they have something planned for May the fourth. So squadrons. Oh, will be that would bigger. be fun. I really need to get back to squadrons. I never played any online, and I am still in the story. So I've not played it. It's a lot. good. Yeah, it's, it was, it was making me motion sick. Uh, but I do intend to try. Yeah. To try some more. I'll put you in the viewer helmet. We'll make you puke. If you puke enough, it'll go empty, and then you have to get over motion sickness. I think that's how it works. That's why I keep telling my flight instructor. <laughs> um, anyway, so that moves us into June. June. Little more is happening in June. Uh, Legends Epic Collection, the Old Republic Volume 4. So this is another one of those. We were talking about collections of Legends comics. Mm-hmm. This is another one of those coming out. Um, and if you're into Legends comics, hey, this is probably for you. Um, 
a big thing. Uh, a couple other trades coming out. Volume uh, Bounty Hunters Volume Two, Vader Volume Two. Well, sorry, Vader Twenty Twenty Volume Two. Uh, but the big thing, the the big thing, the big Corellian, the High Republic, the Rising Storm. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, Kevin Scott. Kevin Scott just he's he's brought a lot to Star Wars comics, and now here he is. Oh boy, I'm excited about this one. I'm really... The, the thing about The High Republic is not only are we starting off with two novels on the same day, which is great. Right. Not only are we getting the third High Republic novel just a month later. Right. But listen to this. We're starting off with Charles Soule, Justina Ireland, Claudia Gray, Kevin Scott, these authors who are have already written some amazing Star Wars stuff. And now we get to experience some of these people in Star Wars novels for the first time. Um, Justina Ireland, A Test of Courage, is the one that I am most excited about Mm -hmm. because her last Star Wars book was not um, my favorite. Okay. So I'm excited to really, really dive in and see what she can do because I, I think she can really tell an interesting story. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, but but this one, I mean, this will be the second Del Rey novel. So really the follow-up to Light of the Jedi, the second full-on adult the, the novel. The next big adult tentpole, yeah. yeah. So um, I, I don't know. I'm excited. I know very little about it other than I've seen the cover because I'm trying to stay away from spoilers. So have I. And all I've said is just the fact of like, yep, that's a marketing soup name. Anyway. It is. <laughs> Uh, so that's June. There's not a whole lot. Some more, uh, some more Star Wars Adventures stuff coming out, but that's about it in June. All right. Well, I tell you what. Let's take a break real quick, and then we'll come back to finish it out. Let's do it. They call themselves the Bad Batch. back and i can guarantee there is a logo title for acolyte i did look it up and somehow just i slid right over it i didn't see it it's okay mac that's why we have two brains here to run the ship together with you and i we are one half wit (laughs) that's correct that's correct i'll take any wits i can get (laughs) okay so now i've got my sunscreen on i'm ready for christmas in july here we go (laughs) (laughs) we start we start out with a banger in July, right? We do. The Mandalorian, the ultimate visual guide. The one we've been waiting for. Right. The one that will maybe finally tell us why Moff Gideon's chest plate lights up. Right. That's what I'm looking for. Out of everything I want to know, that, why does his chest plate light up? That's interesting, because you're right. If it's going to be answered, it'll be in the visual. De- yep. Though, of course, it could just be a line that says, like, you know, atmospheric body controls. That's fine. Tell me. I don't care what Oh, you're it like, is. okay, at least if it's, okay. Yeah, I don't care. I don't care what the reason is. I imagine it'll be something like that. <laughs> I'm just curious. Why just does wait. it have lights? Maybe just Pablo Hidalgo puts a line there and just, like, like Christmas lights to make him look Star Wars-y. <laughs> I love it. 
Okay. Uh, so that's coming out at the beginning of the month, depending on your country, sometime in that first week. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited about this. Make your own pop-up book, Galactic Halloween. I like this specifically for the fact that they published the words Galactic. Yes, exactly. I don't know what it is. There's no, there's nothing about it that I've been able to find <laughs> by Googling, uh, but I cannot wait to find out what that is, and I may buy that. Now, one of the exciting things, we talked about May the 4th, like we're hoping for announcements. I think some of the announcements we might see is now we're starting to get into slots for High Republic projects yes. without actual yes. names, covers, or details. Yeah, so the end of the month, the 27th, I, as of yet, untitled High Republic young adult novel. Um, which, I mean, which is, you know. We're going to find out. We don't even have an author yet for it, so. So it's one of those things of like, yeah, I think there's more to the High Republican. Tw- we, we've talked about, like, even the ones we've talked about for the most part here, like Light of the Jedi was originally supposed to be a 2020 release. It got pushed. Yeah. So yeah. so it's like we've packed up the first year of of uh, the High Republic into the front half of this coming year, yeah. 2021, which means the back half is probably going to be full of a bunch of books that would in normal times yeah. not be announced at this point. By the end of the year, by the end of the by the end of 2021, we should probably have a third adult High Republic novel too. Right. Uh so let's talk about it. let's get into August because there isn't much. <laughs> no. Uh so we have uh Star Wars Insider the Galaxy's Greatest Heroes. So this is just a if you've never seen these are special editions of Star Wars Insider that mm-hmm. basically are like um like a reference book almost like a reference book built into a magazine. That's right. really the only way I could describe it. Um but they're fun. I mean that you see them around they're normally a little bit more expensive than a traditional magazine cuz they're also much thicker typically. Um, it's, it's like a, I don't know. It's like when people magazine does a spread on the Royals, right? It's just like a random a, one-off it, that is not part of their regular publishing monthly summary. Yeah, it's, 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 it's the newspaper special, yeah. the newsstand special. So like you'd expect this cover to have a little bit thicker card stock on the front of it, you know, that it, kind of thing. Yeah. So, uh, that's about it. There's not a lot happening in August. And there's a trade paperback of Smuggler's Run. That's it. That's the only other thing I could find that's going on in August. And that's fine. It's fine. That's okay, because, again, the future is starting to get thinner and weirder because some of the most important stuff that's going to happen at the end of the year, we don't know about. September's pretty lean. Um, We have, like, Star Wars year by year, a new edition of Visual Guide, um, uh, which I didn't know about Star Wars year by year beforehand. So um, as far as I know, this is not what I wanted, which was... uh, like this is about the production of Star Wars from what I know. It's not it's not a galactic calendar book, which I'm No, watching. unfortunately not a like history book. I got all excited when like, I did research and then I found out no, it's more yeah. about Yeah. Um I haven't bought a year by year visual guide in a while. Uh I think the first the last one I bought was like Post Force Awakens. So it might be time for a new one for me. We'll see. Um at the end of the month, at the end of September, uh, the Star Wars Insider Fiction Collection Volume Two. So we the talked about volume. Yeah, about. we talked about Volume One earlier. Um, like I said, I do have Volume One on pre-order. I think uh, so. Excited to get that, and we'll get Volume Two. Um, October, not not a lot. The biggest thing is there. <laughs> I mentioned earlier that like um, that IDW has been trying to create all the graphic novels, and so they're going to kind of collect what they've produced kind of so far. Um, so it's basically what it's, I think episode four through nine 
because uh, I don't think they have one because I think they're going to give you the whole box set once they finish mm-hmm. the adaptations the, of two and three, which are, are done. done. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to see these. I really am excited to see what they look like. Like I said, I'll buy that Phantom Menace one to try it out. Um, now, one of the things, if not the thing I am looking forward to the most right now in 2021 that is not live action mm-hmm. is uh, the Mandalorian novel. This was announced last year. It seemed like it was coming out in 2020. Got either delayed or there was miscommunication. Actually, it was coming out 2021. We know nothing about it. We have no idea. I mean, you've got to assume it's a prequel novel. The only thing we know is... I'd love for it to be a novel that takes place between seasons one and two of The Mandalorian, which I don't think it will be, but that would be my dream. Well, the biggest thing we know is it is a Mandalorian tie-in novel. Yep. And that the only other thing they talk about is it's original. So it's an original story. It's not an adaptation or expansion of something we've already seen. (coughs) So that to me leads me to believe that it either takes place before season one of The Mandalorian or between seasons one and two of The Mandalorian. I think it could also be, I I could, I'll, I'll say one third speculation it could be. And again, we don't know. There's literally no information to build this on. But, like, I could see it being integral where, like, someone is kind of, like, it could be Moth Gideon's perspective on everything that happens, you know, mm-hmm. or something like that. I would I would read that, but I really expect it to be a story that follows Din Djarin. I really, my biggest thing is I really don't want it to be the origin stories because I don't want that to be trapped in a book because I know that they're going to do that in the show as it goes on. We're going to yeah. fill in those details and, like... I don't want to deal with like a bunch of people going, well, the book should be canon. It's like, no, the filmmakers aren't beholden to the book. It's the other way around. You know what I mean? Like, so I don't want to get, I don't want to get tied to Dinja Jarn's story until the people that actually are creating Dinja Jarn's story tell it to me. Yeah. So I'm really hoping it's, it's an off the beaten path. Like, Hey, this is one of the lot, you know, this is just the bounty hunter mission that like all the other people on the rack, inside the razor's crest it's how he captured all of those before he came back to navarro in the first episode like that's the scope of one i I don't want a catalyst novel for uh you know the mandalorian if that makes sense i'll be interested to see because i disagree about i don't think we're gonna learn much more about his history in the show it seems like that was season one we got it and we're, no, we haven't. We it. haven't gone through his Death Watch family. I, I'm guaranteeing that. Oh, whoever you're talking brings, like after he's taken in the Mandalorian uh, cu- wh- culture. Yeah, what I'm talking about. You're is, not talking like his parents. No, I'm talking about oh, from when okay, the doors okay. open and that Death Watch person okay, pulls him yes. out and his how he survived through the Clone Wars and how he became okay, a Mandalorian, how okay, he learned okay. his straight like. I feel all of that's going to come out because if nothing else, he's going to tell that story to Grogu as he keeps teaching Grogu. Mm-hmm. A, Assuming they're not stupid and they didn't write Grogu out. Um, yeah, it'll be interested to see. I don't think we'll see Grogu in all of season three. So. I or think, at least maybe not till the I end. I think we will, but I don't think they'll be together. Yeah. I'll put it that way. All right. Boy, okay. Well, we'll talk about that uh, maybe more in a minute. But that's in November, and that's that's the only major big exciting thing in November is whatever this exciting tie-in novel yeah. is to... That we know about. I still am convinced either in November or December we will get a, another High Republic novel. Uh, I think we could. I, I mean, I think, like we said, the, the future is a little more shaky because, like, for instance, in December, the only lockdown we have is on the 24th, Christmas Eve. You will get the first episode of The Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, we'll be interested to see. Have they confirmed it's that 24th date anywhere? That I have not From seen. From what I know, yes. The it, It's ironic. 
the Book of Boba Fett has a launch date of the 24th. Okay. And then Mando has a around Christmas time. Yeah, because when they first said Mando season three, they said Christmas 2021. Right. And then at the end of Mando season two, they say the Book of Boba Fett, December 2021. Right. And so it's very ironic that as far as I know, we have an official confirmation of the launch of Boba Fett before we have an official launch of Mando, which one seemed closer than the other. Yeah, it does really feel like we're going to be getting, uh, we're not going to be getting a show in October like we have been these last two years. We're going to get Boba in December and probably Mando in January. That's my assumption my my feeling is that my thoughts my guess of why and how the information came down and we're now fully into speculation territory is i think the book of boba fett will be released all episodes all together just bingeable and the first episode of mando will launch the day after that would be great i would love that so that literally mando starts literally on christmas day and you have the book of boba fett that if you want to watch it all in one shot or if you want to watch it over time, you can do that yourself. But like basically prime the pump so that Mando season three is the biggest entertainment topic of the end of 2021. I'd love that. I I, I think that's a great idea. I think in that case, that would mean that whatever happens in the book of Boba Fett will probably tie into Mando season three. So do you think Boba yeah. and Fennec will be back with Din at the start of Man of Season 3? Here's my thing. I think we almost have to because there's a huge glaring storytelling problem we have to deal with, which is Mando needs a ship. Yeah. And we know he, you know, gets somewhere at the end of the the season. We know Boba Fett gets somewhere. So they all came here on Slave 1. What is, you know, what is, how's Din getting from Tatooine, you know, where he is? How did he get to where he is and then they get to Tatooine and then him get somewhere else? See, my thought is he stays on the ship with Bo and Casca. Mm-hmm. Boba comes back, picks up Fennec. Mm. Din and Bo and Casca are taking their ship to Mandalore or wherever. They're staging ground for their attack on Man. I mean, season it, three has to be. I mean, when we look at the end of season two, what do they set up? Din tells Grogu, I'll see you again one day. Right. And... Bo, when they're in that canteen at the beginning, says, if we succeed, I'd have you reconsider joining our quest. Sure. And he says, okay. And that's it. I mean, that and the conflict of the Darksaber, that's all we have set up for season three, right? Um, And Moff Gideon being taken to the New Republic. Right. And so that's where I think I get confused is because, to me, the thing that's very strange about it is we kind of see, you know, Moff Gideon's going to be sent to jail and all that good stuff. And we see Boba Fett go back to Tatooine. And I'm like, the conflict between Din and Bo does not, Bo-Katan seems like, no, we, we can't wait. This isn't something we'll take care of a week from now. Like, she needs that Darksaber and she needs to fight you in combat to legally have it before she can go back to Mandalore and lead her people. Yeah. And season two already leaves us in a place where, no, no, that a conflict will not be immediately solved. People broke off from that ship and did things after that that isn't that moment. Yeah. So I'm very confused about where we're going to go. And again, I just don't see him hanging out with Bo-Katan. I think that's going to be something deeper in season three where she comes back and she's like a low-key villain in the sense of like, no, I need the Darksaber and I need to take it from your body. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see because eventually I think we're going to see they'll have to fight. I mean, they have know, to go conflict. We know Din is the rightful user of the Darksaber right now. Right. So, I mean, that's hypothetically, what's and he then, got? He's got a Beskar spear. He's got a Darksaber. He's got his pistol. 
So he needs to go get a replacement rifle and a replacement ship. Yep. And also, last but not least, secret sauce. I really hope season three shows us the history of the dark saber. Like yeah. I want to know who that Mandalorian Jedi was. Yeah. That would be great. I. Uh, it doesn't have to be anything. Just, just a yeah. little like, just like how the armor did. Just yeah. like, just someone telling the story. Like, oh man, one paragraph of dialogue just to make me feel. So good. like, they just walk into Bo Katan's house. It'll be like Wonder Woman eighty four, and there's just like a few. There's the, just the, a freeze. There's just like a. <laughs> it's just sitting over in the corner with dust gathering on it. This this Mandalorian shrine and. They just talk about it so it can come back at the end of the movie. Well, because my whole thing about it is, my guess, this is t- okay. We're just talking about the future now. We're, we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about the, some of the stuff that Disney announced is going to be going on between beyond twenty twenty one. But since we're in full speculation territory, because why not? We're talking about the future. How can you not? And we don't do this on the show very often. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, my feelings, if I was the writers of season three right now, the direction of season three to me would be. We're going to dig into Din Djarin, his connection and his roots with the Mandalorians. We're going to talk not not the way fans want to, not exposition dumps, but we're going to learn more about the Watch and the true Mandalorians and the division between them and what's happened to Mandalore since then. And Din has to make decisions about what part of his Mandalorian soul are important to him. Is he a member of the Watch who's never going to put his helmet off again? Is he going to become more like these true Mandalorians yeah. and we're going to see Pablo Pascal more often? Like, I think he has to go through a journey of learning who his people are and who where he belongs with them. Cut to parallel story of Grugu being taught the ways of the Jedi and about his people and what he wants to do after all he's, the effect he's had yeah. from Din Djarin teaching him until my guess is at the end, these are two beings that are not really cannot really go back to their people. They've start they've become something different and the only people that get them are each other and that at the end of season 3 we will be leading to we will either achieve or be leading to the beginning of season 4 about them reconnecting yeah. and becoming a partnership again. I agree that that'll be the general feel of mm-hmm. how they get back together and like you know two fish out of water now in worlds they don't belong in type of thing. I think that does make sense. I'll be interested to see how quickly it's brought back together, you know, how What's, how, quick, how quickly the resolution yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I and I I don't know. I just where like we've said before does this show end with Din Djarin on the Mandalorian throne and reuniting the Mandalorian people? Being a Mandalorian. That'll be that's I think now the biggest question for me. Um and of course the I, other biggest question is will they recast Luke Skywalker? I think my favorite thing that makes me excited about this show is though as season 2 really taught us. Season 2 they know they've got like I don't know, three seasons more of, of Disney money as long as they keep producing, right? Like, so season two ends in a way that, like, yes, we are thinking far longer term than we were at the end of season one of Mandalore. Yeah. Mandalore, we were thinking of, hopefully we'll get another yeah. season. This is, we know we're going to get other seasons, so here's the seeds we're leaving for yeah. you. But the one thing I really like about season two is season two does not end on a cliffhanger. Like, there's a lot of threads not you want to see. Not a traditional cliffhanger. No, no. Yeah. Well, literally a cliffhanger in the yeah. sense of, like, it doesn't leave you with a thing you need to know to have catharsis right. for the story you just saw. Right. Like Gideon's arrested and that's a whole thing. Bo-Katan and, and Din Djarin are in, are in this low key conflict, but Din has got the dark saber and she respects that at yeah. least at the moment. Like all the story threads are in a place where we can walk away for a, for a year in a way that most TV shows don't have the self control to do yeah. anymore, which tells me that as much as we start thinking of like multi-year plans, 
Season three will have a nice rounded story, just like season one and season two did. I really hope so. I mean, that's what I want to see continue. And I and I suspect that'll be the case um, as this show ramps up and gets larger and larger scale, which it feels like it's going to continue yeah. on that trajectory. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see where we end up. Um, and before I mean, we're talking about Mando season three, we're going crazy into speculation and we haven't even speculated about what the book of Boba Fett will be about yet. Uh, well, you think it'll be Mando getting a ship. What? You think it'll be how Mando inherits Slave One. That's uh, what you're you're thinking. No, not really, because I don't want him to have Slave One. That's Boba Fett's ship. That's his that's Django's fish. I don't see a place. <laughs> no, what I see the book of Boba Fett is is that nerdy part of people that want to know, like, well, how do you survive the Sarlacc? Like yeah. my guess is in a Star Wars way where the storytelling is still forward facing, like it's moving forward. This is Boba Fett, like kind of showing you why he was just out in the desert for as long as he, the six years he was and why now that he has his armor back, he's finally able to go and take care of business, close the books on a lot of old business. Yeah. And my guess is you're going to see all of that stuff. Like Boba Fett's, you know, spiritual side of like, why, why did he take all this time of patience? And like, how does he feel about being a clone where there is a lot of people around him? Like, I think it's going to just sketch in a lot about Boba Fett details that people have wanted, yeah. but in a way that still is a mission he's on right now, probably yeah. to deal with the fallout of Boba Fett. And or, I'm sorry, that, Jabba's crime syndicate. Is that mission hunting down Han Solo for revenge and how we bring Alden back into live action? Dear God, a lot of people want that. I don't see how that works. Well, he, it works by the ending of Luke is now a Jedi who is a peacekeeper, not a fighter, and he's able to get them to bury the hatchet. That's how it should end, in my opinion. But my whole thing about it, I don't think... Because let's recast Han, Luke, and Leia and make this happen. <sighs> Look, I understand why people want that. Yeah. But A, first off, that's back to the, the thing we've talked about many, many times already in the three years we've been doing this, which is the, yes, let's make Star Wars smaller and get back the the principal characters so that they're the main characters so that Boba Fett's own show isn't really about Boba Fett. You know what I mean? Well, all so, I'm saying is, so that's my first yeah, criticism. Yeah. My second criticism is like, I don't think he has some sort of giant chip in his shoulder grudge with Han Solo. We'll see. Right. Cause, cause in my opinion, I'm like, yeah, well you're, I'm in a Sarlacc pit because of what happened with Jabba's fallout. And I'm taking, I don't think Bib Fortuna was killed out of like vengeance. I think it was killed out, out of like, no, if anyone's going to rule over this pile of dirt, it's me. See, I agree with that aspect of it, but so much of the Boba Fett Han story build up between episodes four and five, and then eventually, you know, what we see in five and six is so much of like, man, this is my rival. This is like, I guess this my is a matter of perspective. Like, yeah. I've never felt that ever. Like in the whole history of my Star Wars fandom. And it's, I think, for two reasons. One, Boba Fett has always been presented to me as a mercenary. Yeah. He's doing the job. Why has he really got a kink on for Han Solo? He's the biggest bounty hunt in the entire galaxy right now. Jabba puts an insane amount of money on this dude's head, and it sounds like it should be an easy target. And I think that's the only reason Boba Fett has history with Han. And that is also tainted by the fact when I was a kid, my fandom started with reading Tales of the Bounty Hunters, where Dengar is cyborged up because of Han Solo. That's where I've always seen like the firebrand passion of, for me, it's personal with like Han Solo. Yeah. 
And I feel I've never had to challenge that because, A, I've just never gotten on board with that. There's not anything in the film that gives any character to Boba Fett, let alone anything like passions. And last but not least, to me, if Boba Fett's story, Book of Boba Fett, is all about vengeance and, and, and finally getting revenge, and they go like, a guy who goes and wanders the desert alone for six years is not a person full of hot-blooded energy to want to go, and if I can ever get out of here, I will kill him. Like, you had Slave One this whole time. You didn't have a problem having Slave One. You didn't leave the desert for your own reasons, not because you were well, it'll biding be, your time. It'll be interesting to see what those reasons are. And I think those reasons, like I said, I think those will be, in my opinion... The Sarlacc humbles him in a way he's never been humbled, and he's spent years rethinking his life. And when he goes after the armor, it's not because he couldn't have gone and killed Cobb Vanth whenever he wanted, because I don't believe any permutation where Cobb Vanth stood a chance against Boba Fett, especially because, like, well, maybe he's really beat up. No, no, I saw the chapters in season three. He's fine. He's in fighting form. He's (laughs) ready to go. My guess is something will happen. Maybe just seeing the Mandalorian reconnects him with his Mandalorian culture, which makes him feel worthy of the armor again. And now he needs to get it. I, I really hope we learn more about it. Um, we also have a few other big things this year that are, you know, a that little are, less speculative. We know they're coming, but the question is when, yes. right? So let's talk about uh, the Lego Skywalker saga. Someday that video game will finally yes. release. Yes, it will. Will you be uh, playing that? Uh, yes, I have a pre-order on it, which is ironic because it was supposed to come out May the 4th yeah. of this of 2020. Yes. Um. Then it got delayed. Then rumors started that they were reworking a lot of stuff in it because they like, well, if we're going to delay, we have to delay a long time. Yeah. Because it wasn't like... it. Because COVID happened and all the remote working and all that kind of stuff. So it sounds like that game's getting just a huge, huge amount of polish. Yeah. And there's a lot of rumors now that it will have at least some some levels connected to, like, the Mandalorian. Like, it won't have the whole Mandalorian saga. Yeah. But there'll be Easter eggs of that have found their way into it. Grogu will be in there. Like, certain things sounds like, hey, after a year, we've had a lot of time to polish this. Yeah. And the thing that will make you happy is I've heard a lot of rumors that um, Rise of Skywalker has been restructured how they were presenting it to sort of present it a little less prominently. (laughs) Because it was more of a tie-in for Rise of Skywalker. There was a point two E3s ago where we thought this was coming out with Rise of Skywalker, but they said, no, it's too big of a game. That's... we, we. Holiday 2019 was not a realistic date. That's why we're releasing it in May the 4th. Mm. And I think now they're kind of like, yeah, and now that we know that Rise of Skywalker is what it is, we're going to kind of blend it out so it's <laughs> it's not more prominent than the other nine films. Yeah, which, I mean, with the way, even just the way they've titled it, that's what you want. Right. You want each film to have its own representation in an even way. Uh, okay, so I have not ordered it. I did buy the, who was the last one? The Force Awakens oh. Lego? Yeah. I bought that one. It was the first time I ever bought a Lego Star Wars game. Something about them makes me motion sick. Oh, It happened with Lego Marvel Avengers on PS3. Huh. It happened with The Force Awakens on PS4. Um, something about that Lego environment just rattles my eyes somehow. That's awful. Uh, it's frustrating. So yeah. those games are really fun, but... The, the, I, I Okay, stepping away from Star Wars for just a second. 
The other really exciting thing about Lego Star Wars uh, Skywalker Saga is every single person who's put hands on it, every single notification about it is, yes, we have a beautiful, tried and true, we've been running it for 20 years yeah. playbook on how to make a Lego game. This one throws that out. This is a different breed. This is a really? different creature. And it is really fresh and really fun because they are not trying to make another Lego game. This is like... This is them trying to update their formula to the 21st century and try to make a game that's more less cookie cutter than all their games have Maybe been. Maybe I will be interested in this. Yeah, because it's apparently like you can do anything in any order. The way it's open world is designed is a lot more fluid, like how you can move. Like it's kind of tough because the, all the previews I've read is just like, guys, it's not it's not your granddad's Lego game. They really are. They found their second, like, wind with all these games. I'm like, cool. And then when they describe them, like, it's an open world where you can fluidly move into all these different things. I'm like, yeah, but how does that how does that tell the story of the first 10 episodes of Star Wars well? Like, I am i don't know what it is, and that's exciting. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to hear your opinion and to watch you play some of it. Uh, and who knows? Maybe get it myself. Yeah, uh, Maybe. Let's talk about a couple other big things from this year. That is the only video game we have on the on the uh, on the block right now. Well, but we do have a couple of other shows coming to us. We might be burying the lead. Probably the biggest anchor point in in twenty twenty one is Lucasfilm Animation is releasing their newest project. They are the follow up to the Clone Wars. The show that will presumably take us through Order sixty six and the rise of the Empire, the Bad Batch. Right. Um, I mean, just from the trailer alone, and this is one of the reasons why we know this show is coming soon, besides A, they said it was, mm -hmm. and B, we have an actual full trailer for it. Yes. This show looks, I mean, phenomenal. If you liked the last season of Clone Wars, I think you have every reason to be excited about this. We know we're going to see the Bad Batch. We know we're going to see places we've seen before like Camino. <laughs> um, you know, there's a shot in the trailer of the training room. I assume this is all the clones gathering after order 66 has gone into effect. Mm. Um, you know, we know we're going to see Palpatine in there. We know we're going to see Tarkin. We know we're going to get back to that, uh, slaver planet that, uh, Anakin was on. Yeah, Remember that? Yeah. I had some five. confusion about this last week and rewatching the trail. It's like, yeah, I mean, all the characters are set up this, Maybe there's some flashbacky stuff just to describe the Bad Batch a little bit more, but it's it's definitely taking place after we saw that episode, and we know from the finale of Clone Wars that that is on the doorstep yeah. of Revenge of yeah. the Sith. So it'll be very interesting to see, and just like Mando, I expect a lot of what we've seen to only be from the first few episodes. Agreed. I, I expect that we haven't seen much yet. So the animation looks gorgeous. It looks fun. Um, the characters of the Bad Batch, uh, you know, I think they will stick with us more as we watch them more. You know, seeing them as the main characters of a show will be interesting. Uh, as I've said before, I hope we get Ventress tie-up. I would love it if they could animate um, some of the Quinlan Voss Ventress relationship. Although I imagine Voss is dead by this point, so who knows? Well, curious uh, question for you. So in my thoughts, um, and maybe there's been announcements, but I don't think there have. My feeling is that the Bad Batch is a one and done. That it's like an it X amount of episodes. Way. Yeah, it feels like a single season. But who knows? I mean, there's a lot of people out there, I think, who want this to just become the Republic Commando series, where basically the Bad Batch is now the... You, you mean know, the Imperial Commando series? Well, yes. Yeah, I yeah, mean, no, it would be. 
And look, you're not going to find a bigger fan of 2005's Star Wars Rebel Commando than me. But even I go, no, I don't, I don't think if they say the word Darman, though, I will lose my GD mind. Anything's possible. Um, if, 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 uh, Fivers and Sev are the, uh, if any of the people from those episodes come in, I will, I'll, that's exciting, but I don't think that's this show. I don't think it's that show, um, but I, I'm really curious as to what it is, and I think it's exciting because I, you, I'm with you. I think it's the rise of the empire. It's a bunch yeah. of guys who don't really fit into a nice, clean yeah. slot, living in a world where their job is now to be imperial troopers, mm-hmm. and they're probably really bad at it because they're way too independent to be imperial troopers. Yes, I completely agree. Um, and with that in mind, like, that's a really interesting direction for the show. Yeah. Um, but I also don't know how much can you play in that space with these particular characters? Because eventually, if they're just insubordinate, they'll be cut loose. And if they get cut loose, then we're into a weird underground story again, which are these the characters you really want to drive I know, through? And I know. I mean, there's one scene of Wrecker outside of his armor yeah. in that trailer, and that intrigues me. Like, maybe mm-hmm. this won't just be all fighting and battles and wars and stuff. Maybe this will have some more to it. So I'm because I yeah because I saw some I read some people who are just kind of like maybe this is going to be like like it all goes sideways. Order sixty six, the or- formation of the empire. They get dr- kind of like drummed out or they escape from the empire because they won't survive in there. And then if you're in trouble, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the bad batch. That they're just going to be the A team. Just I mean, this paramilitary group helping people out across the galaxy. And I'm like, you can get multiple seasons out of that Now, concept. that would be a show we would definitely be even more excited about. Um, I'm super optimistic and happy and excited. I mean, we've this show, this podcast, you know, over the couple of years we've been doing it, has documented um, my transition into being a fan of animated Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And to not only be a fan of it, but an advocate of it and a supporter of it and... Um, I'm so happy to be a part of that fandom now because it really, really is some truly great content, and I'm happy to, uh, you know, have have uh, have discovered the ways to love it. So yep. I'm super pumped about this show. Um, but that's not the only animated show we're supposed to get this coming that's year. That's right. There is Star Wars Visions hypothetically coming out this year as well, which is essentially um, retellings of stories we already know in a different animation style. Right. From a certain point of view. From a certain point of view. I mean, this strikes me as the, um, you know, the, the compilation, the, 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 how should I put this? This strikes me as the equivalent to Marvel's what if series only in a, Different style, different the, type of show. Yeah, this feels to me like uh, Lucasfilm Animation's Fantasia. Like, <laughs> hey, we're going to tell retell these stories, but we're going to go art. These are going to be yeah. art. And we're going to go much more high concept, much more maybe visually elegant, but maybe even further off from the models of Clone yeah. Wars and live action and just kind of interpreting these stories. And I think it's going to be absolutely beautiful. And I think it will probably confuse people because I think, again, this is supposed to be loosey-goosey. Do not take this as canon. This will not be have a visual guide where they break down how this fits. into. I think these are going to be far more like the myths and fables kind of stuff. I think it's going to be just these sort of 
vignettes of reinterpreting Star Wars through a, a very artistic lens. That's okay with me. Yeah. That sounds like a great time. And um, I hope we learn more about it soon, frankly. I, I, I'm very much looking forward to seeing it and watching mm-hmm. it and consuming it. Um, hopefully soon. Maybe May 4th. That feels like a May 4th type of show. I And I'm also going to be honest. Like, I'll be surprised if the Bad Batch doesn't launch on May 4th or around May 4th. See, I'm expecting Bad Batch in like February. I, I don't know why. I just, I really am expecting it sooner. I think they. Uh, I think they'll leave the afterglow for. I think they want the High Republic up on its feet before they push to a new market. Yeah, cycle. I'll be interesting to see. I'll be interesting um, to see. I'll be very depressed if the Bad Batch is until the fall. I mean, I'll be happy when I get to the fall, but I'll be very sad during the spring. Um, and then there's one last thing I want to mention about 2021 that we know is supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, Tell me. And and I won't get necessarily benefit of it probably till years later, but. The Star Wars Hotel is opening. Oh, the Galactic Star Cruiser, baby. Which, just to know what that actually is going to be for guests is exciting on its own. Mm -hmm. Because it sounds so big concept. Yes. The idea that, like, it's what we, we talked about this a little bit when we talked about Galaxy Edge of, like, the idea of, like, no, this isn't for norms. If if you're just part of the Disney vacation club and you just want to stay at a different hotel, this isn't for you. This is for people who want to just pretend they're in Star Wars for two days <laughs> and never come up for air. Mm-hmm. They will just live, breathe, be Star Wars. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and as long as they can hold to that premise, which I think they are, I think there's enough Star Wars fan to keep that hotel booked solid for a couple of years before see, they have to break it down. what I'm interested to see is... How will the general public react? What will reviews be like when a family pays $7,000 and they thought they were going to the Enterprise because they didn't read the fine details and don't really care? That you're getting bunk beds. You know, that you're, you that you're, know, you're, well, wait, wait, wait. When people pay all this money for the trip and then realize, no, no, really, your hotel room doesn't have a window. No, like, re- no windows. There are no windows on this thing. <laughs> There's a window right out into space. What are you talking but th- about? That's what I mean. Is like <laughs> that they, they're not going to understand. Of like, no, you are paying for a cabin on a cruise ship at best. This is not. If you want nice windows and be able to lounge around and drink my, you know, my ties, great. That's what every other Disney hotel is for. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, that's what we wanted. That's what we talked about when this was first announced. And, and I hope that's what it is. And it seems like just from the construction photos and stuff, it seems like it's scaled appropriately. Yeah. Like that that there's not going to be near the occupancy of a normal Disney hotel right. here. Specifically because it is more it is more like paying for a two-day cruise. Yeah. Like that's, that's what people should go into the mindset of. And I'm just so stoked. <laughs> because I could live in Star Wars. I know you're planning on going. I know uh, you have every intention. Well, my whole thing is I yeah, I will sooner or later I will I I need that experience. I, I am a little scared of how much it costs. Um, but it's also it's kind of like Galaxy's Edge, like I'm I'm moving heaven and earth to go to Galaxy's Edge at the end of this month. Yeah. Um I probably shouldn't. It's probably not the best idea. But I still want to go to Galaxy's Edge before it is completely eroded 
by like trying to make it like other Disney parks that trying to break it down for the norms. I want to go where I can wear a Star Wars jacket, say bright suns to people and say till the spire and all the cast members are still on board and pretending that we are Batuu residents and that there is what's a Disney world. That doesn't exist on Batuu. What are you talking about? You crazy person. I want that experience before that gets completely eroded by mom, pa, middle America who are just like, no, but where's the bathrooms? The freshers are right over there. I, what's a fresh? I don't understand. What's yip tip? Where's the chicken? Like they're going to ruin it on a long enough timeline. And I want to be there before they do. And the same goes for the galactic forever optimistic Mac. Well, and, and well, it, you all, we I already mean, they talked did. about they it. Changed they changed the menu. They, they changed they, the menu. You're it's, right. It's it already, already not happened. as potent as yep. it would have been. And that's, I, look, I don't, I guess the biggest thing is don't take that as some moral, like they're ruining it for us. Like that, that's all I mean is they're enjoying their vacation more. That big, massive majority of people that go to Disney world, but this small little tiny micro niche of nerds, it's hurting our, our vision and, for one priceless moment, we do have a window here yeah. where it is for us. And I want to be there when it's f- the maximum amount for our people. It's, it's like I found this at celebration. When you go to celebration, like you get to understand of like, these are your people. When, when you, you don't have to explain the star Wars joke to people, you can just say, may the force be with you as a normal leaving a conversation thing. And there's not even a batting of eye. That's the traditional speak. That's what you do. <laughs> right? Like there's yeah. no normals here. We're all family yeah. here. And that's, I guess that's the, the crux of it, right? Is the people who are, you know, basically to be honest, the people that Batu is one checklist on their 16 checklist of things they're doing in Disney world. God bless them. The park is going to be for them. That is how it's all going to go. But for the people who like me, I'm going to Disney world to go to Hollywood studios, but I'm not going to Hollywood studios. I'm going to Batu to spend an entire day or as much of a day as I can just there. Yeah. I want those experiences as boldly as possible. Sure. So anyway, well, I think it's a great idea and I can't wait to uh, see what you smuggle back. Oh, Oh, there'll be stuff. And, and, and then if that cruiser ends up in the beginning at the end of the year and they're like, ah, for COVID, you know, we just don't have as many spots. Not people are coming. And like, so we're going to have to discount some of these tickets. I might go to Disney world twice. <laughs> I don't know how to afford it. it, but we'll figure that out later. I love it. Hey, you still got a whole nother year to Star Wars Celebration, so you can use that money elsewhere. You're right. Um, so let's just throw a few things out. The, a Thursday not that long ago, we got the most gargantuan dump, one-day dump of Disney stuff ever. Yeah, we did. We're, we got a lot of new Disney shows to talk about. Let's go through and just talk about them each briefly, because I think they're worth the time to at least mention. So, Mac, I'll just kind of lead us through go for uh, it. the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Woo! Shooting, Ewan's coming back, Hayden's coming back. Um, the show that I think a lot of Star Wars fans are most excited about. It's probably a limited run series with maybe only a single season. Yeah. Um, lots of rumors about what it could be. You know, I was under the initial thought of, I just want it to be a man alone in his hut meditating and every mm-hmm. story that takes place happens inside his head. That's what I wanted. Oh, the like story him to be. reminiscing or seeing visions of the force. Visions through the force and flashbacks. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, like clone. Like, give us a live action Clone Wars battle of him and Anakin in their armor mm. fighting a Clone Wars battle. Like, that would be great. Um, and I feel like at some level, there's got to be some pieces of that puzzle yeah. because 
how do you bring back Hayden Christensen in any meaningful way? I know. If you are studying it post episode I three. Know, I know. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, other things we could see there. Um, Obi-Wan and Vader both learning about the other's existence still. Right. I think could could happen. Um, you know, there, there's rumors that Commander Cody trying to hunt down Obi-Wan could be a big part of the show. That'd be interesting. Um, so, so there's some, you know, there's some possibilities. I mean... How could it not be great with you and 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 Hayden? I mean, I, I I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. How could it not be great? I don't really have anything else to say. Agreed. I mean, a lot of people think, you know, okay, could it be based off of the John Jackson Miller Kenobi book? But I suspect they'll do something more original. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope we get. I hope it comes out 2022. See I hope, now, I hope now you just said soon. like the visions of like now. I just I just want like the Obi Wan biopic like. Like starting with him being picked yeah. by Qui Gon all the way through. Like, oh, now that would be amazing if we got like some young Obi Wan. Just well, just kind of like yeah. the history. Like, it's the story of Obi Wan. Like, yeah. like we like we made like the John Adams series with Paul Giamatti, yeah. just like that, but like with Obi Wan. Oh man. Okay. Well, I'd be on board for that too. Uh, next up, the Ahsoka show. So live action Rosario Dawson reprising Ooh. her role. Super excited. So I mean. The big question on everyone's mind, is this the Rebel sequel? That's what everyone is wants this to the know. Thing? And, and I think the fact that we saw in season two, she's looking for Thrawn. Yeah. It it screams to me that like yeah. that seems like the right place yeah. for Dave Filoni to go and spin out whatever yeah. nonsense he was thinking at the so end of the So then the big the question that, that follows that up in my mind is, so does that mean that, okay, so in chapter 13, the Jedi, we see Ahsoka trying to gather the location of Thrawn. Yeah. And then maybe after that, she goes to Lothal to pick up Sabine. And that's the scene we see at the end of Rebels. And then they head off on their adventure. Tough to say. Don't know. Right. And that's, I mean, that's what we're looking forward to. That's the big thing is, will this show give us answers about Ezra? Will this show give us answers about the world between worlds? Will this show totally suck and we'll all hate it? Who knows? I I have, I'm fairly positive that it won't be the latter only because <laughs> yeah, did you either. see Rosario Dawson embody Ahsoka in that oh, episode? Yeah. It was pretty great. Yeah. I, I think I think this show is we have nothing but optimistic intentions for. We're both looking forward to it a lot. Yeah. And it'll be the one that when it comes out could potentially be the best out of all these, I think. Uh I think Mando will still edge it out because of what I love about Star Wars. Yeah. Um Though admittedly, if Sabine is mostly just in that show, like I'm like, there's <laughs> oh, fun. Anyway, it'll be great. It will be amazing if everything clicks yeah. the way we expect it will. Yeah. Uh, okay, Rangers of the New Republic. Let's talk about the exciting parts. It takes place during the New Republic. And Ross, I know people hate it, but I think you and I are going to get those politics things. I think we're going to hear words like centralists during that. Like, oh boy. well. Wouldn't that be great? Well, because it's set during the Mando timeline, I feel like other than having fun, for for lack of a better term, police procedurals. Yeah. (laughs) Like, like we're like, well, that's a mystery. We need to go find these culprits and stop this spice money. You're like, I'm excited about all that. But I, I feel that like, if there's any place to help present, establish and frame up the first order. Yeah. It is to show from people's feet, boots on the ground, how good the old, the new Republic is, how dysfunctional the new Republic is, and how there's a lot of people that want it the old way. 
completely agree. I think that's what we'll see a lot. Um, just really hoping it isn't a Gina Carano starring vehicle. Really oh. hoping we're getting new characters. With the caveat, I would like to see her be a character because I feel that yeah. throwing of the badge is like, my guess is maybe the first adventure is yeah. Cara Dune getting them to go on this thing. Yeah. And then those characters that are established for that, that'll be our heroes for the rest of the show. That's what makes them be partners or yeah. connects them together. Because the other thing with the Rangers of the New Republic is we don't know, are they like what we saw in, you know, uh, chapter 10? Are they, are they X-Wing pilots? Yeah. Are they police officers? Are they U.S. Marshals running around with like a posse? Like, mm-hmm. we don't even really have the frame of exactly that's, what that's versions yeah. of they are. Um, but I, I, I suspect it will again. It will be a cool way to see a very new republic. Like, see what the rebellion earned, and see how it's not exactly what the rebellion wanted. It's not. We just established the old republic. Everything's fine. Everything's back to normal. Like, it's going to be more complex, and I think that's definitely the one thing we would definitely see during the course of that show. Yeah. Only time will tell. Agree. And we've never been closer. Next up, the Andor series. We got a sizzle reel for this one. Um, I know you're looking forward to it because you want to see more of Cassian and that time frame and hopefully K2SO and uh, other things. Well, I think Diego Luga and Luna is an amazing actor. I really, I, I think... Cass and Andor is an interesting character. It's just he puts such a bad taste in my mouth. It's what started all my negativity around Rogue (laughs) One. So my hope is that this show rehabilitates that character, much like how a lot of people thought that Anakin's a really thin, not well-drawn character in Episode 3. And then after you've watched all the Clone Wars, you're bringing all that weight from the Clone Wars into Episode 3, and that character just inherently, with all this history of them, feels bigger and broader than they did the first time around. I want the same thing to happen for Andor. I want to see where he came from. Why is he so grizzled? Why is it so tough? Maybe I'll find out why the guy who gets shot at the beginning of Rogue One deserves it. I don't know. Like, I want that character to be rehabilitated, drafted larger, so that maybe I can find a better place for Rogue One in my heart. Because as I mentioned and promised many times, if the Cassandra show is good, I will watch Rogue One again, honestly, with open eyes again. Until then, I have no interest. And if nothing else, also, great restraint, K2SO. Who doesn't like K2SO? He's going to be in this. Uh, I would love it if the show opens with a live-action retelling of the uh, Cassian K2SO mm-hmm. comic. Uh, how they meet. That would be great. That would be great. That would be great. And it's a good place to start. And uh, the last thing I want to say about the cast and Andrew show that's interesting is it's being filmed, so we know it's being made. Yeah. Um, uh, and I think the interesting thing is it doesn't look like it's being made the same way as Mando. It seems like a lot bigger traditional sets with blue and green screen. Yeah. Um, and I think that's fascinating from a perspective of like, why are you doing that? It's like, oh, well, because Mando's filming it. It's other show and Ahsoka all in the in, in the void yeah. over in the medium is I think what they call volume. it. Volume. The volume. volume That's yeah. right. The volume. They're they're busy over the volume. They've got it booked out till twenty twenty two. Yeah. So we don't have a choice. Yeah. But I think the cool thing about this yeah. that will give that show a kind of its own unique yeah. feel because it will be more filmed like yeah. Star Wars films yeah. are. Didn't Disney announce, or maybe it was Lucasfilm, that they've they're building there's three volumes now. There will like, be. It's or the they're working on that. So the volume is what the crews and stuff call it. So as cool insider people, that's what we want to call it. Yeah. Um, but it's it's called the ILM Stagecraft system. Yeah. Is what that system is. Yeah. Yeah, and they've commissioned Disney itself is producing two additional ones, and I think they've already got one sort of up and running by converting an old building, and then 
that's a system that Disney's going to build their own supply of them. And they're actually going to start selling that through ILM to other studios yeah. and stuff too. So I think you're going to have like a studio lot of these in the not so distant future. It's very, very interesting. It's the next big leap in it, technology. It's fundamentally it changing really how is. film is being made. Um, and in 2020 or post 2020 world, that's what we need. Yes. Uh, next up, the Lando show, the show that I think we're all hypothetically super excited about. Just but, like we talked about the Ahsoka show. We're yeah. like, maybe that's the end of Rebels. Maybe Lando will give us some of those notes of Solo 2 we uh-huh, want. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, will it be animated? Will it be live action? Will it be Billy D? Will it be Donald no. Glover? Well, we know it's Billy D and Donald Glover. We know that. Yeah. They're already signed up. Yeah. Uh, have, have they announced Donald Glover's officially participating? I have not seen that. I know Billy D. Williams' yeah. uh, official tweet posted that he's involved. Yeah. I I want to say I heard Donald Glover. Okay. I mean, I hope so. I have not seen now, that. Now we're into the same yeah. soup of like, did I read a rumor or did I read news? Which one was it? Yeah. I've read it. I definitely have read it. Well, I am referencing, just for everybody's uh, knowledge, the uh, USA Today article published about the announcement, and it doesn't mention anything about them. Well, I don't think it was was, announced with that, but I I will put it this way. I just want to tell you what I want that show to be. Yeah. I want it to be the Young Lando Chronicles. I want it to start with old Lando telling a story of like, well, that reminds me of a time when, and then Donald Glover plays out the action of the story. I mean, that's what I want, too. That's I want that so badly. Yep, that would be an amazing show. Uh, and then let's talk about the one I am most excited about, which is The Alkalite, the show that takes place at the end of the High Republic era. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the possibilities are endless. Will we see a young Plagueis? Will we see a young Palpatine? Will we learn about a different Sith apprentice who comes, you know, maybe Plagueis is master. Maybe Plagueis will be the apprentice here. The possibilities yeah. of what we could see in this, and not to mention all of that, but it's got to be pretty small scale because the Sith are not revealed themselves to the galaxy. And then should be rule of two. Yeah. I mean, there should be two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. I, I, I suspect it will be maybe Palpatine's master would be the central. Because the fact they're hitching it to the old the High Republic tells me that like the High Republic should end with a significant runway down for the downfall of the Republic. You know what I mean? I don't think that like, it feels to me that this is a story that's older than 60 years before the events of episode one. So I feel that Palpatine's going to be alluded to, but not a, not a member of this story. Unless again, they're just tying into high Republic for marketing purposes. I'm not going to lie. The fact it's tied to high Republic makes me a little disappointed only because, but the high Republic's all publishing stuff. Yeah, but we we made it to make a TV show. I'm like, well, then that will be the most important thing. And all this work these authors are doing of like, awesome, these are great. But the real story's over here in the Lucasfilm made film. See, thing. I don't I disagree because this series is hypothetically 150 years after those books. So it's not like it's more. I mean, the High Republic era is a long era. And you don't believe. I believe that the High Republic we are talking about yeah. is the fulcrum of which the the Republic is at its absolute height. Yeah. This crisis happens. They survive this crisis wonderfully, but it sets up the fractures in the Republic that lead to the the end of the Republic. The the disc. oh yeah. yeah. So what I'm saying is, I feel I that, we, that I feel we're seeing. I feel that the books and stuff are the middle point of the High Republic. And that I don't believe that the downfall, I don't know. 
We don't know anything because this yeah. era is just starting. Yeah. But my opinion is like when they say the end of the High Republic, yeah. that to me means the end of the high water marks of the Republic, which yeah. I believe there's probably at least 70 to 100 years before the before episode one that is the downfall of the Republic because it's broken and cracked before Palpatine even puts his scheme. His scheme is shoving a crowbar into those cracks. Yeah. Um, which means that like, I think during the High Republic, there aren't those problems. Those problems don't exist. The crisis that kicks off what we're about yeah. to read about the High Republic is the thing that is great stories of us saving the galaxy. Yeah. But ending with the things that will inevitably lead to episode one. So in my opinion, the Acolyte, just by calling it the High Republic, that means that to me, it's like, and the High Republic seals itself up. It's ready to end that era thinking that they did all the good jobs. Everything's great. We're going to continue on, even though this whole crisis changed the galaxy irrevocably. And this is the dark note at the end of like, actually what you did is set up the chance for us to take power. And I think that's, I, I guess but, to yeah, sum it that's up. That's exactly what I'm saying. It's not uh, because you're saying, uh, like, I don't think it'll... To be blunt, I don't yeah. think it have anything to do with Palpatine. I don't think the words Palpatine will be mentioned. Yeah. I don't think it'll be a character at all. And I think it will be the Acolyte, if, if that's the title character, is like a teen to 20-something link in the chain of, of the Rule of Two. And that there will be a giant gap between that character and Palpatine. I don't think it's going to lead up in any meaningful way directly to episode one. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, I feel that there's a there's going to be at least a... 20 to 30 year gap yeah. between whatever that story le leaves off and when Palpatine becomes a Sith. Does that make sense? I, I guess, but that would still be then that's Plagueis. That's Plagueis's story. Oh, there, okay. I mean, let me sum Sith in between there. Let me just sum it up. Yeah. I believe the high Republic ends less than 50 years after the novels and stuff we're getting for the high Republic. Mm, okay. I believe that era is a lot shorter from the time we are meeting it and that it's been yeah. going on for, 200 years so it's a whole 300 year period but we are seeing the part where the high republic has its crescendo and then its downfall like mm. I, I believe this is the end of the high republic begins with the crisis that kicks off everything in the high republic novels mm. and cross-media projects mm. interesting 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 so when you look back on shadows of the empire do you say uh, only the game matters or only the soundtrack is what like when you say one is like if a show comes out that gets rid of the importance of the novels. When I found out the PC version had animated full body versions of yeah. um, stuff. Yes. I thought I was a second class citizen for owning the N64 version. Cause the second you film something, the second you record a VO, the second yeah. you record a soundtrack with an orchestra, yeah. I'm like, and this comes from legends time period when the EU was measured by Canon levels and G level Canon trumped all other cannons. Yeah. So the second, a but that's Lucas... not a thing anymore, I guess is what I'm saying. I like disagree. You're, you're holding on to these concepts that are not true, but you're projecting that onto this thing that doesn't exist. So are you buying the little golden books of star Wars? I mean, I own a couple of them. I mean, but... But do you think that those are equal Canon to other things? Well, those are all retellings of other stories. So I don't, I mean, yes, I guess, but cause my perspective is like, no, there's still a strata of Canon. It's just, it's easier for people to try and just break it down by what is the market segment that particular material is going towards. And I go, yeah, that's, that's what we did in EU as well. That was the same. It was the exact same thing. The bad batch yeah. is more 
a truthful version of the tellings of Star Wars than anything Visions is going to make. Because they themselves are saying these visions are alternate stories. Well, they're telling us they're well, alternate stories because otherwise <laughs> those visions yeah. would sit above comic books and video games and other things because it is a filmed version. At least. But it wouldn't sit above that stuff, I guess, is what I'm saying. What I'm saying Your is, belief is the, the Gen Xers and people who say that are wrong, I guess, is what I'm saying. That's what you are saying. Yeah. And as a person who can't see it any other way, you can call me an old fogey if you want. I'm yeah. like... It is that way. It continues to be that way. Why, though? Because nothing but, has changed. But it continues to be that way because you're saying it's that way, not Same because with you. people believe that. You say that the Disney era changed, but there are still things that are more and less canon in the Disney era, just like there was during the Lucasfilm but, era. But it's but what things, I guess, are like that, I guess, is what I'm... I guess what I'm saying is anytime that happens, yeah. it's the result of one person not paying attention, not Disney not paying attention. It, it's... Why do you think that was different in the 90s? Because Lucasfilm wasn't publishing these things. We had the Keepers of the Holocron and Lucasfilm licensing that tried to make sure that things matched up and were all interlocking in the 90s. Sure. We have the Lucasfilm story group that's doing the same thing. They both made mistakes. And things had to trump other things. Like when the prequels came out, anything that wasn't... Matching up with the prequels got knocked out of canon because when George came in and said this, oh sure, same, but same that's thing. a different that uh, same thing. Is that doesn't to, apply anymore because George is gone. Everything no, from no, 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 whatever no. twenty that day is in twenty fourteen forward is equal. Cool, that's your belief. That's yeah. what Disney said in that press release, but they haven't done it with their act. So so. Darth Vader and his prosthetic parts is a yeah. pop song in the Star Wars galaxy. Yeah. And you're going to say, well, that's just one author. I'm like, yes, but it was authorized by the same people. So if everything's canon in the Disney yeah. era, because it's all interlocking, you're basically saying they're doing a better job of, of making sure the continuity all works. And there go, there aren't those ever strats. before. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I agree. But I saying it's still full of mistakes and there are still things that will like if Rangers of the New Republic mm. completely rewrites the bloodlines era politics yeah do you do you think the book is more important or do you think the show is more important like which one of those are you going to take as your truth if that happened then that would be disney shooting themselves in the foot and i think that they already have And, and and again this is an opinion yeah i'm not trying to i'm not really trying to convince you because to be honest I'd rather what UB say is true. Yeah. But I've read enough current canon stuff, like even going back to like little cracks in the armor of like how there are certain parts of Tarkin that don't work now. Now, yes, Tarkin was from an EU book, but like if you'd think that they were trying to build this foundation stronger, the very first piece of it would have been vetted a hundred times over. But I think it's just the fact of Star Wars is a giant marketing machine. They make many different products for many different market segments. They make many different things and they do not hold their creators beholden to what was in a book or a comic book or like, I guess I'm just tired of hearing people say, well, Darth Maul can come back in the Obi-Wan show because he didn't really die in canon. That, that cartoon doesn't really count. I'm just getting really tired of hearing shit like that. I think he could totally come back in the Obi-Wan show because I don't think the Obi-Wan show is going to end until maybe that episode from Rebels where Obi-Wan kills that guy. <laughs> I mean, it, it it's 
the, the point it's of the better possible. is possible. I mean, the Obi Wan show takes let's place this way. ten years after Sis, so it was this way in the nineties, yeah, and it is this way in in now. Of people are using their own interpretation of what's important to use as a battering ram to say, well, I want X to happen, and anyone who says differently is wrong and bad. Well, I guess the you difference I mean? is I'm saying what Disney says that everything's on the same foot, and fans are saying no, it's not, and then fans are saying we're right. See even though they're going against what Disney's saying. Disney I, needs a much stronger editorial staff that literally makes sure there are no little mistakes in any copy they write if they want to have fans never say that kind of stuff. Again, I, I, I look, I'm sorry I'm not drawing yeah. any more specific things, but from the, the, the first yeah. person Star Wars book, there was the Darth Vader's Price part, which sent me completely out and said, that is where my whole fulcrum of... Okay, so this is a better version of what we had in Lucasfilm licensing yeah. in the 90s, but it's still stupid because you're telling me that there's a pop song about yeah. Darth Vader and everyone in yeah. the galaxy listened to this popular song and knows he's a cyborg, that he exists. Yeah. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense to me. It's like, oh, it's only one person. I'm like, it doesn't matter if it's one person. If you are saying there's this department of Star Wars, their only job is to make sure that this stuff is better than it used to be. The amount of mistakes should be measured in point zero percentages, not yeah. single digit percentages. Does well, I, I, but I, I would argue that it is point zero percentages, that it's not. And that also, frankly, for, Tarkin for, okay. and Heir to the Jedi or whatever. I'll give you a better called, example. Those are. <clears throat> give you a better example. Do TIE fighters wings fold in half or not? Depends on the model. Where is that in canon? We've seen different models of TIE Fighters. Some fold, some don't. Well, what... Okay, what's the model of the TIE Fighter that folds? I don't know. They haven't told me yet. Exactly. So, uh, I'm very curious to see if the visual guide... Yeah. Guide to manual yeah. tells us yeah. that. But, like, in the same year, they had TIE Fighters work differently. But, but 25 years apart, like, the one TIE Fighter that wings fold comes 25 years before the TIE Fighters that wings don't Correct. fold. So, again, why right now, a year yeah. later, do I not know the model number of the TIE Fighter that folds and what it's different? This is the kind of nerdum you just post on... not knowing a model number, but that's not like saying they called it model number A and then changed it to model number B in a movie and we had to follow it, which is the argument you're making. No, my because argument, your argument is, you're saying is film is more important than My argument is print. the filmmakers in making Rise of Skywalker didn't care what the Mandalorian was doing to answer a long standing thing in canon. And because of that, we all have to head canon that no, that's Moff Gideon's TIE fighter, which I do not believe was the intention of the Mandalorian show. I think they were showing for the first time on film, how a TIE fighter mm -hmm. lands. That one does. That one lands like that. But I'm saying we have to say that now because another piece of the property didn't care what they were doing. I'm saying no, that, they made a choice to not have it. See, you're you're you, putting like these personal opinions behind it when really it's just this TIE fighter lands this way, this one lands this way. Okay, so there's a galaxy that has the pop song, Darth Vader's prosthetic parts, and there's a part of the galaxy that doesn't. No, there's no book that does set that says that song doesn't exist. That's what I'm saying. Is like Have you read the Darth Vader comic where he's a boogeyman that most people don't know about? I don't I don't think that's a comic. I think that's Lords of the Sith, but where you're talking about that. Because it's got that whole intro where he like gets outside no, of his TIE fighter. No, I'm talking about the one where he goes to the, the, the underground city in, in the comic. Look, this is a broader city, yeah. Okay. This yeah. is a broader concept. We will leave it at this. Yeah. 
I believe there is a shakiness to the canon that allows me to continue to perceive that there are stratas of importance and that whatever is, has the most money thrown behind it is more important to Lucasfilm and their interests yeah. than less money. Yeah, That's an incredibly disappointing notion as a Star Wars fan. And that's totally fine. Yeah, I still have that belief because if system. if that was the case, don't get rid of Legends. You're asking the wrong guy to make yeah. that. I'm not, yeah. I'm fine with Legends being Legends, but yeah. I also, in my opinion, if you are going to clean the slate, then yeah. you stop making Legends money. You cancel all those projects. They go all out of print. You never talk about Legends again. Mara Drade never existed because why are you confusing the brand with Marvel Comics junk of yeah. this is canon, but this isn't canon, but then in this alternate universe and then all that, like, I don't want any alternate universes to Star Wars. As far as I'm concerned, in 2015, we had a new movie, and that was seven movies, TV, two TV shows, and everything else. All of it is gone, unless you see the words copyright Disney, and it was printed in a year since 2015. Yeah. That hasn't been the case, which is why I have that complexity. And I hope that you if are you right. If you take those <sighs> two carryover novels out of it, though, I would also say... Like, I feel like everything you're pulling is from this, these, uh, whatever. It's silly. The, the problem is we're both speculating, but we're thinking we're not speculating. We think we actually know. The reality is a multi-billion dollar company makes Star Wars. Yes. They don't care about canon the way fans do. Yes. Period. Correct. Everything beyond that is how much do they care about it, right? I know Very Pablo true. Hidalgo does, yeah. but how much does, uh, you know, how much does... J.J. Uh, Abrams, not J. at all. J.J. Abrams, yes, right, exactly. exactly. <laughs> okay, but I'm just saying, like, it's all it's all on the splits at that point. Um, and and I don't, I just don't think we can convince each other of like, well, I think Disney does this, I think Disney does that. Yeah. We we don't actually have. And then Walt Disney comes in like, well, actually, boys, it's like this. <laughs> like, um, at the end of the day, yeah, I love the Star Wars. This is we why have. we don't talk about news. This is why we don't talk about news. You're absolutely right. Because we have some of these little passion products off air where it belongs. Because you know what? Let's bring it all home. This is a positive place to talk about how great Star yeah. Wars is and the Star Wars we have, not the Star Wars we don't. And talking about the beauty of where we're going with Star Wars. And our speculation should be limited to what we think will happen. Yes. But not some angry. And I think this is where we both walk away from certain parts of the fandom. <laughs> If someone comes in and says, this is the way it is, yeah. I'm going to go, awesome, that's Star Wars, and I'm happy to have it. Like, Rise of the Skywalker is a heavily flawed film. At the end of the day, it brought some really cool ideas to the Star Wars universe that I want to keep, and it has some parts of the Star Wars universe I'm going to accept but look away from. <laughs> you know, just like I did with the Yuzhan Vong, it exists, I don't deny it, but it's not, it's not the part of Star Wars that energizes me. And... As we've talked many times, as Star Wars becomes an increasingly larger place, the pockets of Star Wars that you, for your own personal fandom, just have to just let go of. There's not going to be a Earth Star Wars fan. The fan who loves, I love absolutely everything about Star Wars. I know everything about Star Wars. Everything about Star Wars engages me. No, the beautiful thing about the galaxy getting gargantuan is the fact that, hey, you're into troops. Cool. Are you into Jedi? Not really. Hey, I'm into Jedi. Awesome. What do you think about Mandalorians? I don't really get into them. And it'll all be okay. And I think there was a time, and with the Gen Xers and stuff, you know, like the people from the real hardcore EU are really frustrated with is the fact of we had that time when we were flying under the radars pre the prequels. Yeah. 
And everyone thinks it was this great golden age, which it wasn't. But the fact of the matter was you could know all of Star Wars. That was a possible thing to do. You could have read every book, every comic book, because there was so much less of it. Yeah. And that's not a possibility going forward. See, we talked about this at the time. That was the thing that was so exciting about Disney's new canonization of new material and legendizing of old material was you could now because, you know, as someone who has a bookshelf upstairs with all 146 Legends novels. Right. You can't feasibly collect and read all those now in an easy way, but you could easily get the 50 canon. Now. I mean, it's getting harder and harder every year. Say, that, that's the problem is, but you on the ground floor have had the benefit of, yeah. I didn't know all that you stuff, but I know everything in canon because I've been lucky enough to, I started right when 2015 rolled around. Yeah. I've been building it all out. Yeah. But even you like, are, are you going to read the young reader novels of every high Republic release? Are you going to read all the high Republic comics? And the answer is like, no, because that's the best thing about Star Wars being massive. Well, the answer is yes, I'm going to, but I get your point. No, no. I get your point. I'm going to make the argument. Yeah. You're going to attempt to. Yeah. But someday, maybe not the High Republic, <laughs> but someday there will be more yeah. stuff than you can keep up that's, with. I mean, that's true. There and already is. And that's okay. It's yes. just for, for me, yes. it's like, no, I knew Star Wars inside and out. I felt I knew everything I could have in like, you know, 2012. I'm like, I know everything there is to know about Star Wars going on in the galaxy right now. I'm, I'm a walking Wikipedia. And I got to a point where it's like, and it's okay that I don't anymore, which is why like, <laughs> hey, I should finish that second Alphabet Squadron book. Yes, I totally should do that. <laughs> Are you going to do it? It's really not important. It's something I'd like to do. But the reality is like, yeah. I'm fine. I love picking yeah. and grabbing the stuff that energizes me about Star Wars. And I don't have to know everything that way. But that also informs the fact that I'm like, well, yeah, I... I I only care about the things that are like right in front of me. So yeah. like, yes, I desperately want them to clear up this headcanon nonsense and just tell me, tell me that's an executive class TIE fighter, that that is for Moff Gideon and other f- t- people. And that I just, just give me the model number. Just give me the model number so that Pablo, name it so I can go home and go to sleep. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, so Max is really excited about the visual dictionary. I am really, really excited about the visual, excited about the visual dictionary. Uh, there is so much <laughs> coming out in Star Wars, not only this year, yes. but in the future. We've talked about a lot of it. There are two things we didn't talk about, and we really should. Oh. A droid story. An animated oh, yeah. uh, Star Wars show coming out that is going to be C-3PO, R2-D2, and BB-8, right? From what we understand. Yay! Um, so lots of fun. Um Anthony Daniels, I'm sure, returning to reprise C-3PO, even though I don't know if that's confirmed. How could he not? He does everything. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the big one, the big one, the sequel to Wonder Woman 84, Rogue Squadron. The way I would put it, but yes. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. The sequel to Rogue One, Rogue Squadron. I, uh, I assume. No. I'm, I mean, so uh, in a way, in a way, it might right? be that. So I mean, this is all we could do is speculate. There's really nothing to say, but because you have such a tie-in to pilots and star fighting and ships, well, I think tell Patty, me what you thought as soon as we heard that Rogue Squadron was so becoming a thing. My whole thing about it is like I knew when they were talking about having the invisible jet and stuff in Wonder Woman '84. I had heard that Patty Jenkins was really into aviation. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm into aviation too. Planes are cool. Uh, and then when they started, sh- when they showed you that trailer, that trailer got me so energized because it's like, oh, you. now I know your personal, deeply personal connection 
to military aircraft and military aircraft operations, which tells me like, no, you're a hot director who's bringing a very interesting perspective. You know, you're probably at the moment, I would argue probably the most popular female director maybe ever. I mean, her last two movies have been gargantuan and it's yeah, getting her a lot of I jobs. Say, what other female directors? I mean, you Sophia got like, Coppola. I mean, you got people like Patty Marshall and stuff like that, but like so much it's been punching above their weight. Like these are Wonder Woman 84 was a tent pole for WB. Yeah. And they trusted her with that. And, and Star Wars is trusting her with arguably one of the most anticipated type of projects. So like there's a whole bunch of people that since like 95 have wanted the, <laughs> the X wing, you know, the X wing movie and she's going to do it. And I think, I think she sold her bona fides really, really well of this is something she gets. And if you watch wonder woman 85 and you know, I really liked it. I enjoyed it. It's got some, it's, it's, it's a little flimsy, but I don't think it's particularly more flimsy than most superhero films are, but the one thing that's really great is when they go into the Smithsonian and they steal the jet that becomes the invisible jet, like that is well-researched and like that works. I wish they had one line where they said that this one had just been delivered to justify why it was fueled on the tarmac. But the reality is there is an entire working aerodrome behind the Hazy Center, the auxiliary to, to think, because yes, they have planes on display. You have to fly those in. That's how they get there. You know what I mean? And yes, when they sh loan them to other museums, guess what? They load them up with fuel and they fly them there. That's how these things move around. Um, and and I, if nothing else, I was just impressed of like, hey, you found like the, I mean, I, I think it's, uh, I'm going to forget the name. I think it's a Sabre 2 is what they fly. But like you found the fighter jet that sits side by side, almost Every other fighter jet from the 70s on is backwards and forwards. Like if you've seen Top Gun, yeah. the F-14 Tomcat is got the the op, ops is in the back. The pilot is in the front. Um, so you found the one like manufactured like airplane <laughs> where that's not the case. Good on you. But like she made a really fun film and I think her her action directing, especially in, in the sense of some of that flying and stuff, like, yeah. It's good. Like that whole sequence, them flying through the fireworks is interesting, visually arresting. And I'm like, that's all you need. And then you get hired the best visual effects company, ILM. They come as a package deal when you say Star Wars on the box. Um, and I'm really excited for some, okay, to prove <laughs> that I'm not part of the Gen Xy, like not my Star Wars crowd. I hate the prequels. I'm excited for them to write a new Star Wars yeah. Rogue Squadron that erases the old one. I love the old one. I grew up on the old yeah. one. The old one is full of real EU nonsense that yep. doesn't really have a place in yep. Star Wars anymore. Yep. So I so keep like Wedge and then everything else should change. So see, that's the big question for me in my mind is someone who has said multiple times, and I'll reiterate here, Star Wars space battles on film, maybe second only lightsabers, like the coolest thing to watch. I've said before how much I love the space battles in Rogue One. I, say, I don't like Rogue One. Battle Scarif's awesome. It is. It truly <laughs> yeah. is. It's the best part of the film. And it, it even in the theater, it was like mind-blowing. This is a chance now to show us a fantastic story that is not only about a pilot, but centers on a pilot and what right. that life is like. You know, all through Star Wars novels, yep. we're told how crazy and wacky pilots are. Now's our chance to see it. 
Um, so the big yeah, question for a movie I think, of Poe Dameron's just running a around. Movie of Poe. Da- well, and see, we don't even know this movie could take place after the rise of Skywalker, and Poe Dameron could be the leader of reforming Rogue Squadron. Like the possibilities truly are. Oh, endless. that's true. I didn't think about it that way. I, I maybe it's just because of the very like red iconographs they're using that reminds me of Red Squadron, which is where Rogue Squadron is born out of, is the survivors of Yavin. I still feel it's going that direction. Right. That could just be because the the mileage of the novels tell me that that's when a Rogue Squadron story should be told. And also, I mean, like you're absolutely right. It does feel like it should be a post Endor, like, like Empire to Dark Empire is where that's supposed to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It feels like if this movie isn't the formation of Rogue Squadron. Right. Which would take place before Hoth, right? Because that's when we first meet Rogue Squadron. Right. Rogue Squadron is just, it, and at a certain point of view gave us, like, we're very aware of, like, yeah. oh, Rogue Squadron. Yeah. Now, what's going to be very interesting here is in From a Certain Point of View, Empire Strikes Back, they talk about Wedge after the Battle of Hoth. So many people died. They go back. They eliminate Rogue Squadron and go back to calling it Red Squadron. Right. So... Is that in there as a nod to this? Because well, Rogue that gets Squadron... to the whole heated argument we yeah, just had, right? Like, um, uh, but but I could totally see that Rogue Squadron is like, I could see it being a post uh, Return of the Jedi story as well. I would be really shocked to see it be a a Poe Dameron like like post uh, Rise of Skywalker. But like, you're right; it's it's well, fairly open. The idea of thinking of it having a male lead seems weird, right? I mean, do we all assume it'll be a female lead? I mean, I'm not going to be against that. That would be great. Oh, I, I think um, it would be great too. I'm not. I'm here's not, here's my here's my biggest thing that in my brain is it feels to me that this would be a story between episode four and five about the formation of Rogue Squadron, how they become the elite squadron of the of the rebels. I mean, and how they do their dangdest to. I I would say the central threat to me would be a way to make sure the Empire doesn't learn about Hoth. Like that, that they are moving, that they are just starting their base on another planet I and mean, protecting it. That seems ideal. That seems like that the seems easiest, like the perfect way to do it. But then you're recasting Luke. You're recasting. I was going to say though, but there's your fun part is the fact of like in season, let's put it the way. If season three, they hire an actor to be Luke. Yeah. I guarantee that's what Rogue Squadron is. <laughs> I mean, I hope so. I want to hope. I want to believe. Here's the reasons I don't believe that. One, I think. Does Disney still want to get out of the OT era? Or are they now in the mindset of, oh, we moved too fast into the sequel era? I I think one thing I could say from my limited perspective on Disney and the Mandalorian being a emblematic piece of this is the idea of, hey, we know the OT sells because Rogue One sold like crazy. Yeah. So the OT's fine. Prequels, we're still not sure what we want to do with that. But we definitely learned our lesson. We tried way too hard to create the sequel era where we're going to do everything and all the important stuff is going to happen in there. We tried too hard to make the new era of Star Wars that still contained all the bits of Star Wars you like. And like, no, we we maybe have humbled the fact that the First Order isn't as interesting as the Empire. And so all of that, all of what you just said is why I personally believe it will not be an episode four to five story. And it will also not be a post Rise of Skywalker story. I think it will be a post Return of the Jedi story, because if you have it at between episodes four and five, frankly, it's just a bunch of white guys. And I think they're not going to do that. I think they need to find a way to get well, other types of pilots in there first off to make it more diverse. And they should. Yeah, they should. Yeah. I no, no, they absolutely I should. I want that. And, I, the, and 
and one thing I'd like to see in the OT era is like, and here's some aliens because they're part of the re- the rebellion too. Like they were, we just didn't see them and because makeup is expensive, which yeah. is the real reason they're not there. Yes, and and that's like I said, that doesn't mean it has to be a bunch of seventies. You know, like lookalikes with big mustaches and haircuts in the movie. It can be other Which things. Which can be fun, but... But I I guess that's why I think putting it in the original trilogy era is probably not what I think it's going to be. Hmm. But I really would love to see a, okay, well, the Death Star is destroyed, the New Republic is formed, let's bring Rogue Squadron back. Yeah. And it could even be a, it could be a wedge. It could be a wedge story. Like Wedge goes into admit, retirement after aftermath, maybe. It's... And, and to be and to be really honest with you, it, it it is one of those weird things of like it has to have Wedge. Like having Rogue Squadron without Wedge and and Luke guest starring every once in a while, like yeah. would be bewilderingly hard for me to imagine because it would be so like, oh, why'd you call it Rogue Squadron? Just call it Alphabet Squadron and just make your own fighter pilot stories. Like uh, I so agree. Th- so there's there's a weird thing about that. I agree. Um, yeah. I also weird. find it really, I'm just going to say this just because we're, we're wrapping all this stuff up. <laughs> I find it hilarious. I mean, flat out hilarious. The people are like, oh, they're going to fold the N64 game. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, sweet summer child. That is, uh, let me just pat you on the head. No, that is so EU it hurts. That is so- a truncated version of the books. So it, it doesn't really set it. Yeah. Like, like that was a video game child. So when people, when, all right, when you heard. Rogue Squadron. We're making a Rogue Squadron movie. Here's this three and a half minute video of Patty Jenkins putting on a flight suit. We're making Rogue Squadron. People's mind went to the video games first, huh? A lot of people did. I I can't can't relate to to that. that. I'm not going to say canon as far as how important it is to the stories, but like more play people played that video game than ever touched those novels. See, is that true? Absolutely. Is that true? How many people have GameCubes? Like a hundred? Wasn't that GameCube exclusive? No, N64. Uh, there was that, and then they had Rebel... Um, Reb, Rogue Squadron 2 Rebel Assault? I don't know. I never There had was them. the GameCube launch title, which was the sequel to Rogue Squadron, where you flew okay. the Death Star Trench, and then there's Rebel Strike, which was the third one, which was also GameCube. That's the, I remember that one specifically because it has the yeah, at the, AT-AT on the cover. There's a trilogy, but the one that follows... Rogue Squadron yeah. is the first is the first one for the N64 because it oh. loosely follows the story of the novels dealing with and ending in, in Dark Empire so I never the fighting had world devastators. On N64, I was a Shadows of the Empire. That was the Star Wars game I had. Oh, I remember uh, opening that Christmas morning. My parents had a thing. You could open one present, and yeah. I kind of knew what a video game box was shaped yeah. like, which was, for the record, the best present to open before you go annoy your parents about waking them up for the next ones because that will keep me occupied for hours yes so when i wake up at three in the morning i will just play rogue squadron until like six in the morning when it's still inappropriate but i will wake <laughs> them wake yeah. them up um yeah I, I to your point when i heard that rogue squadron we're making yeah. the rogue squadron movie i'm like awesome this is the tale of wedge and the remaining members of rogue squadron valiantly fighting the battles elsewhere like going to the muster point helping protect the fleet all the way up to the you know in endor and it ends on return of the jedi yeah then i read empire's certain point of view and said i can't but that's that's probably not where they're going <laughs> the way we're talking about rogue squadron in this book yeah and the way we're retiring rogue squadron in this book i'm like while i may have opinions about a movie my trump thing the, the candidate like i don't 
think if that's on a piece of paper somewhere in Lucasfilm, they would have approved that book to yeah. do, to like say, yes. we can't use, we're going back to red. Yeah. Like, I can't, I can't stomach it. We lost too many good men. Like, I can't, no. Yeah. Like, if that's the case, and, and like you said, just bringing up points of like, to me, it was like, oh, it's after, it's after Hoth. So we do have a lot of holes in the roster to fill with new, interesting, more diverse characters yes. who they're probably at the Battle of Endor, just like the ghost was. We didn't yeah. know the ghost was at the Battle of Endor until Rebels yeah. happened, but now we know it was there. Um, I God, off the top of my head, I can't think of it, but Snap's mom. Yeah, was at absolutely. The Battle of Endor and... That fits, but we never knew that until we read Aftermath, right? Be- because the Battle of Endor is a right. soup of laser guns. Exactly. Like, you could have a gazillion people exactly. there that we don't know about. And it's great. And that's what makes this big universe I mean, so interesting. The elite squad of the Empire, Inferno Squad, is at the Battle of Endor, <laughs> and they didn't exist until a couple of years ago, you know? Too true. Um, oh, boy. So it, it's it's it'll be fascinating to see what they do, but I, um, I'll be honest. I like Patty Jenkins' work enough. I think... Even considering this is a marketing piece, I feel she very much sold the, like, this is a personal movie for me. I wouldn't bring up my dad and his death casually just to make Disney happy. I'm saying this because this is a story I want to be part of. Yeah. Oh, Um, I hope so. So. I mean, that passion is what made The Last Jedi so great. Uh, And so I I, I hope that's there. And I, I think, I think we'd agree on. If you really love the the original books of Rogue Squadron and you're expecting that, if you're expecting, uh, you know, all those characters to be here, buckle up. That's not. mm -mm, mm -mm. They've already told you, like, we're telling our own Rogue Squadron story. That's a subtle way of saying, like, it's not based on previous canon or works. Yes, we will nod to them. But no, nodding to them doesn't mean we're casting exactly like you expect us to. Now, hear me out. (laughs) If there was ever a time to bring Corn Horn into canon. <laughs> I feel bad. I always use him as the punching bag, but it's only because like Corn Horn is a really important character to that era yep. of the EU. Yep. And I'm like, and he really doesn't make any sense. Like outside of the nineties, that weird world of star Wars before, like the solo kids are up on their feet being way more important, interesting character. Like <laughs> there's a lot about Corn Horn that just goes like, Oh man, sorry, buddy. You just got, you were supposed to be one of the golden shot. You're over here now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, you're in the toy box. You're not in the display shelf anymore. Um, so anyway, uh, I think 2021, the year corn horn comes. When I looked down and I said, Hey, we're about a half an hour. Uh, we were doing pretty efficient. I did not expect us to go this far forward, but I think it's time we close the book yes. on the future and we bring ourselves yeah. back to the moment. The <laughs> book of star Wars all in 2021 is only just beginning. So we're excited to have you here. We're going to wrap this up in just a second. sun set on Tatooine and the year comes to a close Mm -hmm. we get to the part of Star Wars that most people were looking forward to the fall 
Yes. Because in the fall, in October 2020, is when we start to get into some of the biggest Star Wars releases of the year. Starting off with Star Wars Squadrons, a brand new Star Wars game that I have played about four hours of because it makes me motion sick. Oh, I'm so sorry, buddy. I really liked it. I was really having a lot of fun, but I just found that every time I was playing, I was just getting this nauseous feeling in the pit of my stomach, and it just... Did not get better. So I will go back to it someday, but I feel like what I need is a small, like, 22-inch TV I can sit right in front of and play, Mm. not a 50-inch TV hanging 12 feet away on the wall. Like a computer monitor is more like where you'd want to play that kind of thing. I think it would be better for me, yeah. Meanwhile, over here, I've got it hooked up to my Quest, (laughs) Oculus Quest, and I've been playing it in full VR, which... Oh my gosh, one of the best breakthrough VR experiences for me of the year. And this is a year where like Half-Life Alex and stuff came out. But that's but that's not Star Wars. Okay. <laughs> so you're enjoying Squadrons on VR. So the fun thing about the weird thing about it is like I absolutely adore the experience that I've had with it. I played through the entire campaign almost twice. Um, my only problem is I'm terrible and I don't enjoy multiplayer games because they're so no one's there to role play with me. <laughs> everyone's there to win in death matches and stuff like that. And like that level of competition, just, I, I don't, I don't engage. I don't enjoy it. Yeah. So I've played the multiplayer a few times, but it's, it's just not for me. And unfortunately that campaign really, for me, it justified its price. Cause it, it came out a little bit budget. It's $40 new. And now you can regularly get it on sales and stuff already. Yeah. Um, but for me, the problem is I just multiplayer doesn't do anything for me. So yeah. the bulk of the game, like, I can only play that campaign so many more times. And I'm looking forward to trying it out again when the new content comes, because I want to get in that Bill Wing, that B-Wing. Yeah, yeah. Love that thing. See, I never even got to multiplayer. I've only been playing the story. And and I think the story is, while not great, it's, it's very serviceable. But the problem with the story is it's a tutorial for the multiplayer. Um, there's no two ways about it. You were meant to play that, and then you go and play the multiplayer, and the multiplayer is the long tail of the game, and I think that's great for people who enjoy that, but I've already had the normal normal experience where I got in a few matches, I'm doing really good, and then the matchmaking kicks in, and then they say, hey, let's put you with these Apex Predators who've been playing the game way longer than you, way better at this, and way better at Twitch, and you're playing in VR, which already puts you at a handicap because your spatial awareness is different, and uh, yeah, you're going to lose a lot, like a lot, yeah, like a lot, but cockpits of that thing look so good when you're in the x-wing you can look around and r2's right there he's right behind it's you so cool um yeah i just wish and maybe it will or maybe the sequel will i hope they realize there is a community of people that are more single player like me and like if this had robust missions like the old x-wing and tie fighter games had oh my god this would probably be my favorite game of the year but with the two to three hour campaign that you have. And that's the majority of what I can engage. It's, it's didn't get you where you wanted to be. I guess the best point is it's, it's been a great experience, Yeah, but I can't call it a great game because it's no, it's not particularly longer than most of the VR games that I've played. And it's more Mm -hmm. of a gee whiz. This is so cool to be in star Wars and look, Oh my God, star destroyers are so much bigger when you're in a cockpit. It's like, that stuff has been an absolute blast. Um, I yeah. just wish or hope that in the future, since this game did very well, um, they're yeah. already releasing new content, which they originally stated they didn't have any plans for, yeah. which tells me that it's already doing better than they expected. 
my hope is that as we keep going, much like Battlefront to mm. Battlefront 2 2, uh, we got a much more robust single player experience for folks. Same idea. I hope yeah. that as this hopefully franchise continues, they keep adding content for all different styles of play. You know, uh, Star Wars uh, Starfighting is on the rise. Buy stocks now, man. It's, I, it, yeah. People like it. Yeah, that, that wing of the universe is, is growing yeah. a, a lot. Yeah, so it's it's going to happen. We're going to get more. I'm sure we're only a few years away from Rogue Squadron novels coming back into canon. Uh, so it's only a matter of time. Agreed. On the 20th, Star Wars uh, Leia, Princess of Alderaan published, number one, the manga. Yep. So uh, I need to pick that up. I haven't gotten it yet. Uh, the lightsaber collection came out, yeah. and this is the... Second version of we got a lightsaber book last year that was a much more um, child friendly one. This one is a lot more informative. The pictures are very, very nice and detailed and high res. Mm -hmm. uh, really, really like it a lot. And then, of course, on the end of the month, the 30th, the Marshall premiered yeah. chapter nine of the Mandalorian season two, episode one, featuring Timothy Oliphant and <sighs> Chuck Wendig's Cobb Vanth. So good. Wowza. Um, it's hard to say now, but I still think it's the episode I have the most fun watching of season two. Hmm. I, I you know, it's the one I've watched the most. Um, well, I think it was, I think it was a, we, we talked about this a little bit with the Clone Wars when that came back. Um, you know, it, it, it sunk you right into where you left off. Like that episode has a little bit of everything yep. that made the first season of Mando great. And you got to see the fact that, yes, you're still going to get those stories. It's still the same kind of tone and feel. But by all means, yes, we had a very successful first season and Disney gave us a lot more money for this one. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, they did. And it's it, it it was splendid. And what a great way to return to the galaxy. Um, I mean, you see Boba Fett's armor. That's amazing. <laughs> what more could you need, right? All right. Um, you know, I was a little surprised. My one, my only sort of little thing I'd like to say is I wish Mandalorian season two had started off either with a crawl or with some text the way Solo did. Just our Mandalorian has been on the hunt for a year looking for other. Just tell us about, you know, like we see the end of that adventure in the opening of season two. Yeah. When he goes to visit Gore, whatever his name is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when he goes to visit him, right? We see that. You know, I've searched, uh, what's he say? Many cycles for you or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so we get the idea, that, you know, we see that Grogu has grown a little bit. There's been so some time. We know time has passed, but I wish they would have just stated that. I've had some conversations with other uh, uh, fans I... in the universe who, you know, they didn't get grasp that. And I've also had some conversations with other fans this year, uh, more casual fans who don't understand where the Mandalorian in general takes place in the Star Wars timeline. Sure. Uh, I think I mentioned on the show just last week or two weeks ago that my wife thought Grogu actually was a baby Yoda. Right. And this was a prequel to all of that. So, well, I, I you think... know, I think I think it, it would have been worth, if you didn't have it in season one, saying five years ago, the Empire fell. Uh, you know, I, I think it would think... have been worth having here. I don't. Interesting. I think this is getting back to Clone Wars season one, where Clone Wars wasn't able to be watched by you until they put it in chronological order. And I, I'm i fine with it being wibbly wobbly and all over the place. I was fine with it more before they started making it a tie into every other Star Wars property. Uh, when it was new characters and new stories. But this season, 
has I, very much let's tie you into other characters from along the way. I, and I, I, just, I and I think that's why it's needed. we rewatched the Mandalorian season one, and I I just I think that the the person giving him the commission um, at the beginning, Herzog's character, like. Uh, I think that shows you how pathetic the the galaxy is with yeah. the Empire. And it's like, yes, by the time you get to season two, most people aren't watching season one again. <laughs> I guess I guess what you're asking for, I'm like, uh, what did the episode description say? Because that seems like where I would put it is right before you start it. You can read the like, here's where you here's where we are. But I guess let's put it this way. Another thing that that we both talked about is like, I'm not sure this is good or bad. I'm not, I'm not particularly into it was the episodes that had the previously on the Mandalorian, right? Like we, we had those like little, um, previously ons in yeah. some of the episodes. And I'm like, well, I don't on every episode. Well, I'm just like, yeah. I, I don't think we needed that. I still don't think we need that. Yeah. And, and so if you're going to do that, I can understand like yeah. prepping it. But I think at the end of the day, it, what the makers of this are thinking is this is a giant tome and you are on you you've now seen the first um set of eight chapters and then the second set of eight chapters you know what yeah. i mean i don't think they're i think they're looking at it holistically as like almost comic book issues right and and that's fine but between chapters 1 and 8 right like just that's yeah. one story so to go immediately to chapter nine mm-hmm. and essentially continue the same story, but to have a large time gap. All I'm saying is you don't read a book. You turn the page from chapter eight to chapter nine and a year skips without the book telling you. I guess my thing is I look at it like a book. And when you get hit the like three to five asterisks where we've changed scenes, even though we haven't changed chapters. Yeah. And they usually don't tell you exactly what happened. They just show you a new scene and you start computing exactly what must have happened in the dot dot dots yeah um that's kind of i guess i guess that's what it is and that's fine for you and me what i'm saying is that's not fine for my nephew's babysitter who took her three night sittings to watch the first chapter but let me also ask you this yeah did they buy baby yoda stuff because if so disney doesn't care if they understood why if if you want to buy baby grogu stuff and you think it's literally baby yoda they will take your money very happily. It's totally fine. If you want to give us that money. Yes, they you know, will. I, I think there's just a certain level of the people who would care are going to find that information. And maybe that is literally how they look at it. Right. That's fair. That's fair. I guess what I'm saying is I hope star the Mandalorian has brought star Wars back to the forefront. It's allowed us to kind of overtake the Marvel shadow again. Okay, I see. And what you're I'm saying. hoping that trend continues with all this new Star Wars properties. Well, it sounds to me like you want people to have that context so they know. Did you like the Mandalorian? Here's the other stuff you can see. Yeah, like, and here's stop the things me. that connect. That's the other reason. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, no, I, I'm just kidding. I, I'm just sick and tired of doing Disney's work world building for them. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's understandable. But, I, but that's just it's just my only thought. I have my only thing thinking about back to when the Mandalorian started. I can tell the kid's bigger. Oh. Here's Din saying, I've been searching you for you for a long time. But just tell me. Oh, I, I'm with you in the sense that, yeah. like, now you're reminding me of a conversation I had of, like, like, who's that guy in the black robe? Well, that's Tamara Morrison. Yeah. No, he's the guy who played Django Fett. That's Boba Fett. Fett. Well, they didn't say that. They don't have to say it. It's Tamara Morrison. Yeah. <laughs> like, the amount of conversations I had of, like, to you and me, what pedestrian knowledge of, like, yeah. oh. Yeah. And then, then other people go, 
kind of going like, what does that mean? What happened to Boba Fett? Didn't he fall in that like like spiky hole in the ground? Yeah. Y- yeah. <laughs> and see that I feel yeah. And see that it's see now maybe I'm eating my own tail here because I'm gonna say I feel like that's different because they will explain it, give them time. And that brings me to what I'm going to talk about when we were going to talk about Chapter 10 of The Mandalorian, The The Passenger, Passenger. which premiered on uh, November 6th. You would think after Pergrills, we would have learned to stop calling things filler. You would think, but yet here we are. People can't. (laughs) The very next episode, he needed that relationship with the frog lady to leave Grogu with her. Right? He needed that relationship with her to... uh, develop his own personality of I can help people. You know, he's continuing to learn how important it is to help other people. Mm-hmm. He sees the reunion. He sees the, the fruits of his labor when he sees their babies. Right. Yeah. And the child appreciate, uh, teaches him more to appreciate that type of stuff. Yep. Uh, and also, you know, he develops a, a, a closer relationship with the new Republic, which will come back more than it already has. I guarantee it. Like, you know, these things will pay off or have paid off already. So let's stop criticizing things before we've seen, you know, the big picture. With everyone sitting at home, I feel this has been the ultimate year in many quarters. As a person who follows video game news, it's particularly bad. But, like, I hear what you're saying. I I think there's a part of me that's just, I think filler is just a shorthand for, it was slower and full of things I didn't care about, is how most people, what that's what they're saying and it's the stuff that depresses me just in general. Like, you know, I love movies. I dedicated my life to it is what my professional training is all built around. Around, And it's been very sad to see the slow death of theaters be accelerated very quickly this year. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's a part of me that's just like, I was watching some TCM classics the other day and just going like, most of my contemporaries cannot stand watching a movie this slow. And that makes me really upset because like when they say slow, they mean like, it has to be as fast as like a Marvel action scene. I'm like, not every story can be that fast. Many of them are slower burns than that. And that's how I felt about the passengers when I started hearing like, oh, it was filler. I'm like, it's just shooting space ice spiders and there's yeah. the, the X-wings and then the, the, the See you talking about it slow. <laughs> See, that's funny. Yeah, you say like, oh, filler is a correlation for slow. I think of it as like, oh, the same, but for adventure. You just don't want right. adventure. You just you want, want action. A campaign. You want A to B to C to D to... Right, you, right, you right. You don't want adventure. And you don't want swashbuckling. And to me, as we saw between one and three, like, you needed a little bit slower unraveling, not only to build those characters, but just also yeah. give him a second to breathe. He just fought a crate dragon and killed it yeah. after being eaten. Yeah. It's okay for him to just do a milk run delivery. That should be yeah. okay. And even yeah. that goes sideways. Yeah. And like I said, that interaction with the New Republic... We already saw uh, one of those pilots pop back up, and that's our second time seeing the other pilot, Trapper Wolf. So it's only a matter of time till that plays a bigger role, too. Especially, yeah, and we'll talk about the next episode. Now, before we get to more Mandalorian, on the 10th, we had, from a certain point of view, Empire. Mm-hmm. Now. Whew. I have not finished it yet because I've been taking it nice and slow. I'm guessing you were in the same ballpark? I am halfway. The, the move... So much like the first certain point of view, the the stories, there's many. It feels like, were there 40 in the first one? Yes. It, it feels like there's more in this. Maybe it's just because we're, I guess, hitting the rewind a little bit. Like we're seeing more, like there's the moment of the evacuation of Hoth 
and you get like four or five perspectives on that. Yeah. Like that specific moment yeah. attaches to a couple of different stories. Yes. Uh, and maybe that's why it feels more complex or I maybe it's agree. just been a while. I, I think you're a hundred percent right. It does feel and read differently than the first one. So where I am is um, Han, Luke and Leia are about to get to Bespin. Uh, I am almost, almost to the one I'm most excited about, which is the dinner party with Darth Vader. I can't wait for that. Wow. Well, you were farther ahead than me because Luke is just heading to Dagobah for me. Savor it, though, my that, friend. See, that's why Savor I'm going it. slow. I'm doing like a story a night. That's a good way of doing I, I it. I thought I would finish it on vacation. It didn't happen. And so I've just been taking it nice. And I, like I said, I'm reading three other books, too. Uh, the 13th, <laughs> Chapter 11, The Heiress, our live action debut of Bo-Katan. Yep. Um, oh, it was great. The music was great. Um, the special effects were great. The that opening mon- where he, you know, almost lands and then lands in the ocean. That Mon Calamari in a cable knit sweater. Uh-huh. Took the internet by storm, that sweater did. Oh, well, it was Space New England's a great place. Planet Trask. <laughs> when Grogu gets attacked by the face hugger in his soup. <laughs> It was so good. Who doesn't love that? Especially just, man, it pulls out like a stiletto and just kills it. Don't play with your food. It's so good. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, it's great. Bo-Katan. I mean, we weren't expecting it. Uh, we met a couple other new Mandalorians and Axe Wolves and, what is it, Cosca Reeves? Yes. Um, and, and it was just so cool because, like, my first reaction was like, oh, oh, she has a headband. Like, oh, she is Bo-Katan. And it's like, of course she is because that's the voice <laughs> <laughs> of bo like she was a perfect cast for the voice yeah. and of course she's a perfect cast for the person yeah <laughs> uh all right november 14th gina carano sends out problematic tweets uh, <laughs> skip over that no i'm just kidding uh november 17th the lego star wars holiday special um which in the time of took his- the world oh. by storm by now, you've what? heard all of our great thoughts on it. It was a blast. I really enjoyed it. Are you kidding me? A Lego holiday special in 2020. What a way to end the year. We had a ton of fun with it. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know if we really need to expand any more on it because we went deep into it last time. But it was a ton of fun. Mm-hmm. And it had Porgs, but not enough Porgs. I just want to say that but one more time. You for always emphasis. want more Porg-related content. More so. Porgs, more Porgs. Chapter 12, The Siege, premiered on November 20th. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was away. I was traveling. I was out of uh, my great hometown and into uh, traveling to Tennessee at the time. So I watched it on my phone. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was fine. Um it wasn't the best experience, but a fun episode. I liked the tie into uh, Snoke, what we can presume is Snoke, or cloning, or whatever, the early stages of it. I liked being back on Navarro. Loved being back with Grief Karga. Tons of fun. Loved the Mithril. Loved uh, Grogu being in school, eating the macaroons. And the best thing from the episode, when uh, Grogu throws his hands up like he's on a roller coaster while they're flying in the Razor Crest. That's pretty good. Uh, I've never wanted a pop socket before until I saw you can get that on a pop socket. Just wanted to let you know you can. <laughs> Just little uh, Grogu wee. Yeah, that is my maybe my favorite moment from the whole show, from the whole series so far. Is just him throwing his arms up and then throwing up on himself. Uh, absolutely loved it. Gotcha. Um, and it's in a fun episode. I mean, just a fun. It's adventure. It's it's adventure. It, it just was, like episode and, two, or sorry, chapter ten was. It's adventure. And anytime you set up something that's basically a heist, we need to get in, grab something, and get out. Like 
I, I'm a sucker for that. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And right after that, uh, that same day, actually, uh, the first soundtrack for The Mandalorian Season 2 premiered with uh, tracks from the first four episodes, chapters 9 through 12. And I have a little bit of a problem here because... What is going on? This season had so much less music, it felt like. And I'm not talking about just released music, right? Releasing two records versus eight. I'm talking about literally in the episodes, just less music. They're much quieter. There's always a constant battle between the sound effects folks and the music folks about what needs more prominence and when things should be silent and when things should have score. Uh, I don't really feel that way. I think it's more of the fact that when we had an, a, each episode had its full wall-to-wall soundtrack being released, I was just very hyper aware of the music. Okay, see, at first I kind of felt that way because I felt like the first episode felt like we picked up right where we did in season one. Like it was just music. It was great. It was beautiful. But like think about in, um, well, here, let's talk about it. Uh, November 27th, chapter 13, The Jedi, when Ahsoka is pushing the rock towards Grogu. Why is there no force theme there? Like, mm. like it's just very odd choices, I think, the whole way down as far as where the music well, comes in, especially in that Ahsoka episode. Specifically, it's very quiet. And this has been a constant battle. I mean, I, I, I've used the turn of phrase um, that was kind of summoned by um, the force cast slash Rebel Force Radio, um, their, their term of... John Williams' score is the oxygen of Star Wars, mm-hmm. and they there was tons of that in Clone Wars. Like, where where's the score? Where's the themes we know? Yeah. Why is there no score in this part at all? Why is yeah. this new score weird and doesn't feel Star Warsy enough? Like, it's I think these longer format shows. I'm like, you can't read, you can't just pay, cut and paste all the themes from the movies and get enough to cover all this different oh, stuff. That's totally um, fine. And I I think that that Ludwig has done a an insanely good job of giving a new sound that still feels Star Wars to these characters. But I think maybe it's just a matter of the themes that they're working on. Let's put it this way. The parts that have music, I think are far more complex and interesting than season one in many ways, other than maybe the central Mandalore theme. Um, Like, the sequence with the dark troopers releasing in that where they almost had like a, it sounds like a hard drive or a motorcycle spin up yeah. noise mixed in there to get the r- bouncing beat. Mm-hmm. Like I can't wait for volume two to release so I can own yeah. that song. Oh, well good. It's out. It is out now. <laughs> it's out. Yeah. It okay. Came out yesterday. So go for it. Oh, I, it's I great. didn't know. Uh, uh, I will yeah. have to go get that. But like, I let's put it this way to my ear. I didn't, I guess I didn't get caught by a whole lot of like, well, oh, that seems weird. But now as you mentioned the Ahsoka thing, I'm like, oh yeah, they're probably yeah, there should be. Like Yoda's theme or the Force theme yeah, should be right? tinkling through and, there. And it's just it's that episode is where it hit me over the head like a rock. Right. But I've as I went back and rewatched, I feel like they're it it, it the it, middle of the season specifically. It could also like be the directors. Like, cause I can understand like there's not much music going on in the beginning of the episode when she's taking everyone down. And I can understand why, because oh, you just want to hear the lightsaber turn on and on. Totally, totally, totally. But that could just spell that the director's feeling was they they're not they didn't want it to be score heavy. They want it to be just like when the rock's moving, it just wants it to be like this quiet moment. Yeah. Like that could just be a choice. Um, and that's and that's fine. I just think with how good the music was in season one, it felt like an odd choice. That's I, all. Uh, 
now I'm going to notice it. So thank you. For well, that. watch it again and get back to me. Okay. And oh, then unfortunately at re- the end of the month. Oh, go wait, ahead. Before we do that, because yeah. that's a downer. I just also want to say that the VR experience, um, Galaxy, uh, Tales from Galaxy's Edge came out as oh, well. Oh, yes. I haven't even had a chance to touch it. What do um, you think about it? It's really great. Much like the previous like Vader Immortal series from ILM X Labs. Yeah. It's Really awesome for the amount of time it lasts. And that amount of time it lasts is far less than you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it shows some really great ideas and how eventually XLab will build a game. Like, yeah. you can see the bits and bobs coming together, but these are still these experiences. They are still doing things in the Star Wars is really cool, but, you know, you still don't have, like, health meters. You still don't have save points. You still don't have a, like a narrative that you're going through straightforward, you know, you are, you are hanging out in Batu and doing a bunch of really cool activities that are stitched together by some cool stories and characters, yeah. but it's still not a, I, for lack of a better term, it's not a full body game. And I don't really expect them from that, from them yet. Gotcha. But again, as someone who's like, just loves doing Star Wars stuff in VR, it was way more of that. And it's X lab. So while it may be a little limited, a little more on rails than you want it, it's beautiful. They make the most beautiful VR experiences. It's hmm. amazing. I cannot wait to try it out. Yeah, no, we, um, we'll, we'll talk about it in the year, I'm sure. Oh, for sure. We have Vader Immortal to cover, too, still. And speaking of Vader being immortal, he is not. Um, Oof. Unfortunately, we lost David Prowse. Yeah, the... Uh, the uh... Well, let's say the body of Darth Vader, uh, the uh, the person you all know and love from episodes four through six. Yeah, uh, he one of our favorite people. If you've never heard it, it's still one of my favorite things in Star Wars behind the scene information is to hear him deliver the line. You know, Luke, I am your father, which isn't that line. But to hear anytime you hear David Prowse and him delivering all the lines of the suit, it's just charming because <laughs> it's like, yes. oh, yes, we're, we're going to hire a different voice actor. But. It's just great. This wonderful Brit guy just inside this giant mechanical suit. Like he he's he's endearing. Um, and I also say, like, as 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 sad as it is to lose him, like had a really good run for a really tall guy. Really tall people have generally more health complications. I know that from family I've had. Like once you get above that, like six, two, six, three, like the body doesn't want to run against gravity that hard. So he had a really, really good life for um, someone who, you know, could have potentially had a lot more health competition. We had a lot of time with him, and I really appreciate that. And brought a lot of joy to a lot of people. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so let's get back onto our Mandalorian track here on December 4th. The tragedy, the premiere of the Dark Troopers. Uh, Grogu meditating on a rock. The premiere of live action Tython. The return of Slave One to live action. I, yeah. I mean, a big episode. Um, maybe the most. It's the episode that I think. Hmm, how should I put this? It's the episode that I think the action is shot and paced the best mm-hmm. out of all of them. I think all that fighting on the hillside is done really, really well. And I really, really like it a lot. Um, Seeing Dark Troopers brought into action was a ton of fun. Seeing Boba Fett back both in and out of the armor was a ton of fun. Meeting Fennec Shan now as more of a character, ton of fun. Ming-Na Wen is awesome. And so to have her back and have a little bit more of her, and now we're going to be getting some of her in the Bad Batch as well, by the way. So that's all great. Right. um, Really good stuff. And I I think maybe the... 
the most intriguing episode. Like the threads they pulled at there mm-hmm. to me just maybe it's just well, it's, again, it's interesting. I never thought in a thousand years I'd ever see dark troopers in a yeah. Disney filmed property. <laughs> I just never that. thought that would happen. And and to have Boba Fett come back yeah. and have this different flavor than him than we could have conceptualized of what yeah. he would be like in a post Jedi world, like yeah. uh very very exciting. And again, yeah. mystical Jedi stuff. Here's this rock that builds an impenetrable force field of force energy reaching out to the galaxy. On it. I'm on it. That's yeah. great. Absolutely. I think the reason why the tragedy is maybe the most interesting episode is not only because it gave us so much back, but yeah. it set the scene for season three. I mean, yes. It's what tips off the events. That start the scene yeah, for you season can see three, them... just like episode three, season one, is what started the events for season one. Yeah, you can see them grabbing the handle and pulling it and launching the catapult. We mm-hmm. don't know exactly where the rock's going to land, but it's been launched and the trajectory is going. Yes, absolutely. And when we get to the finale, we'll talk about this a little bit more, of course. But that's how I interpreted it. I think, that's... And that's why I think it's such a great episode. Agreed. All right. Uh, nothing major, you know, more comic releases. Until we get to December 11th, Chapter 15, The Believer. Oh, yeah. We talked about this a little bit last week when we talked about Operation Cinder. So we're not going to, or two weeks ago now, geez. So we're not going to talk about it in as great of detail. But the big thing this week was getting to see Din Djarin without his helmet again yep. for only the second time. So the first time Din takes his helmet off, it's out of necessity to save his life. And he's not breaking what he believes is his vow because he's only letting a droid see him. No other living thing, right? Right. Then this time he's taking his helmet off because without it, the mission will fail and he will not be able to get Grogu back. Right. Right. To see him again, to see, we, we see him shaken in his faith from the second he meets Bo-Katan yep. and they take off their helmet. And he's like, what, what, what? Yeah. And they're like, no, we're the other Mandalorians. The ones who don't, aren't religious zealots. Mm-hmm. Um, That's exactly right. We've seen him, carved at his belief system as his quest has become personal and his attachment to the child is his own, that he is starting to break the way (laughs) because there's something more important to him. He finally has this, uh, for lack of a better term, family that he cares about. So like when this guy is not going to, I broke you out of prison and you're not going to go to the coast. I'll do it myself. Well, how are you going to do it? I tried it without the helmet. They're really going to need you to see my face, huh? It's for the kid. Pop. Yep, exactly. And it's great because not only do we get to see more of Pedro, not only do yeah. we get a funny moment there with Bill Burr, not only do we get a dramatic and emotional moment, you yep. know, because you can tell how uncomfortable he is. Pedro does a great job of playing it that way. Yeah. But we get to see that he has a mustache. How fun is that? Everyone's grown a little more facial hair in quarantine, you know? Mm-hmm. Every Everyone is. Again, my more thought true. was the fact of, like, he never takes the helmet off, and that's a pretty well-groomed mustache. When does you know, he shave? He, I, he must change it up because we'll see not long after this, he doesn't have the mustache anymore. Do you think he? Do you think there's just a shaving kit inside the helmet? Like the helmet oh, can shave? Oh, that would be fantastic. There's like a toothbrush built in there. Mm-hmm, you just got to mm-hmm, load up with mm-hmm. toothpaste on the side every couple of, of cycles, you know? <laughs> yes. Uh, it was great. And oh, again, it. It, continuing the theme of season two, which is the, the oh, you think we're going there? We're not going there. Like the amount of like, oh, this is going to be the setup of a two part series arc. Like, no, each episode has been this own little encapsulate. Yeah. Like, I'm so glad they keep not following into the current 
ways of making TV shows. They know this is not a bingeable show because it's released every week. And so they give you a cathartic rounded story every week. And I love that. They keep bucking expectations. It's so good. That's what we're enjoying so much. Now, unfortunately, Jeremy Bullock recently passed away, and right. this one is one that has to be brought up because Jeremy Bullock, the original Bubba Fett in episode five. Right. Uh, you got to imagine that the new story for Boba Fett is going to be dedicated to him because it's like mm-hmm. it happened right on the eve of this this last episode of Mando, which has got yeah. some great prominence and giving some great nods to our hero Boba Fett, like yes. who's now becoming a hero and becoming this very rounded three-dimensional character he and is. he wouldn't exist if you know because the thing about it is like it's like pedro's story like jeremy bullock was the man inside the armor and just like david prouse like it's easy to go like well he's not the part of boba fett you like like well first off boba fett never talks so it is just like there's so few lines that jeremy bullock is boba fett in yeah. you know for most of our lives and again just the gesture the pantomime the wearing that armor and acting through it yeah like that's what set up boba fett boba fett's the guy who slides in next to darth vader and pulls his gun up like this is the guy who's like firing on the skiff when luke cuts his lightsaber you know uses his lightsaber to cut that gun in half this is the guy who smacks against that side panel of the sail barge and rolls in into the the, you know into the sarlacc like he is the embodiment of that character and it was it was sad to lose him because all the people the fellowship of people who have portrayed boba fett are such a lovely little tight-knit group in fandom like when they come together and just they all i'm so happy for that for jeremy bullock because what is arguably a bit part in star wars right is the the fandom that's that launched a thousand ships. Like, you know, there's such a love and reverence for this character and it really shouldn't be there by the size of the role, but people just, (laughs) Jeremy Bullock is this silent, cool, super awesome person. And between, you know, the Joe Johnston design of that costume and the way he wore it, it's, it's, it's the most important character in star Wars who shouldn't be important. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yes. And that's the legacy he'll live with. And, uh, you know, we talked about this the other day personally off the air, but yeah, it's so nice to have him be a character now. Yes. Because it feels like he can really appreciate him now. So good. And it makes that other stuff that he's in better. Agreed. Right. Oh boy. Okay. So the next day we got chapter 16, the rescue boy. We sure did. And it just starts out right away. They're coming out of hyperspace. They're chasing Dr. Pershing. We have that great standoff in the Landoff Shutter and the Lambda Shutter cockpit. Where that Imperial officer, yeah. I don't know what he's thinking. He's just like, I want to spit some venom before you obviously will shoot me. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I was a little surprised that we got Dr. Pershing back and he gave us exposition about the Dark Troopers. But he didn't give us exposition about why they want Grogu's blood. And I was so expecting to get that. I feel that one thing you have to keep in mind is like, again, we're getting into more speculative, but like now he's with them. Yeah. At the end of the episode, they still have access to Dr. Pershing, which means that we may get more information about that in the coming season or we might uh, not. I, so. I don't know. This, this show is so confounding because yeah, like, because at the end of the, the last episode, you're like, Oh no, how are they going to figure this out? Start out. We Pershing, we found him. Just take his shuttle. We're going to find him. And then we're going to go take it to this guy's doorstep. Yep. Okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what's going to happen. I, I, 
lesser shows would have a filler episode where they go, how are we going to find Dr. Pershing? Like, no, we, we, we are so good at getting to the good bits. Yes. Um, and, uh, and again, this episode was just chock full of them. It sure was. So they uh, they capture the doctor. They meet up again with Bo-Katan. Yep. They convince her to help. She says, you let me defeat Gideon and take the Darksaber and his ship, and we will help. Right. They go. They crash in. We see what a, the light cruiser. We see what uh, like a launch tube is for yes. Tie Fighters. Oh that was my fun. God, it was. Uh, the Lambda shuttle gets to show up again in a prominent mm-hmm. role twice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like first because we chased it, second because we're using it, um, and then we fight our way through uh, what I think is one of the best sequences of the entire Mandalorian show, which is I love that you have a very episode four. Here's a group of heroes in these desperate, hard firefights just marching their way through killing stormtroopers and surviving all the way. And then over here, we've got, you know, a quiet lone character sneaking their way through the base. Like it had that energy of like Han, Luke and Leia running away from stormtroopers while Obi-Wan is quietly turning off the trash, you know, the tractor beam. Absolutely. Same kind of energy. And it was a beautiful echo for me. Absolutely. And as Bo and team get to the bridge and take control of the ship, Din is attempting to stop the dark troopers from escaping their bay. He blasts most of them into space, but one gets out. And after a long drawn out fight, he is able to destroy it by shoving the Beskar through its neck. How fantastic was that? Whole so sequence? good. Oh my gosh. Seeing the, the sort of evilness in the dark troopers unblinking eyes Ugh. up close as the fire is pouring through it. A la general Grievous. And oh, well, especially when he first flamethrower, and it just turns its head. I'm like, oh, such Terminator vibes. Oh, for sure. And like you pointed out earlier, the soundtrack for it is great. Oh, so Din good. Uh, gets to the prison where Moff Gideon is holding Grogu with dark saber uh, over top of him. Uh, Moff Gideon tries to basically trick him, saying, "Take him, leave. It's okay. Everything. You know, I have what I need. We can just go our separate ways." And as Din goes to take the child, he takes a swing at him with the Darksaber, and a really fantastic fight ensues. Where I think Gideon kind of forgot of like, oh, oh right, you do have pure Beskar. <laughs> yes. I, I should have aimed for the neck. That's apparently where lightsabers go through Mandalorians. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I heard from Django anyway. Yes. Um, oh, boy. And, and again... I love the complexity of Gideon. Gideon is, yeah. I like he is that I know more than you. I, you can't defeat me. He's got that arrogant hubris we're used yes. to from a lot of villains, but he's calculating. Like he's not, he's not confident he's always going to win. He's just confident that he has the stuff he needs to be able to win. Yeah. And it makes him different than just a blowhard, you know, arrogant villain. Um, and I like how complex he is because when he says, like, you can just take the child, I have what I need. Like, there's a part of me that goes, like, well, he does. He he probably could let you go away. Like, that's one plan that, there's one trajectory from there that could work. But he's just, he can't, he hates you. And he wants you to get, you know, he wants to stop you because, well, he has what he needs from the child. He can always get more. And, like, there's just this, I, I like, what I'm trying to say is, like, he's a mercurial enough of a character that I could believe that, like, oh, yeah, you walk out of here. If you had done anything aggressive to me, I would have just let you take the child. I'll figure it out later. Like, yeah, um, he's smart. And I really, yeah. really enjoy that. I completely agree. He is such a fun character to watch. And I am so, so happy he made it out of season two so we can see more. 
uh, who knows? Maybe we'll get to see him interrogated by the New Republic sometime soon. That would be fun. Very much looking forward to that. So let's let's get to it. So defeats him, goes to the bridge. Yeah. We've got Gideon in custody. Bo-Katan seems really weirded out by the fact he's holding the Darksaber. And, and Dean's like, what's the big deal? Here's your stick. And yeah. then Gideon's like, oh, she can't do that. She has to follow the, the traditions. And this is one place where I wish I could see one plussing to this scene that I wish happened. When he's going the whole thing of like, you know, oh, it's it's to, to be the Mandalore, you have to take the Darksaber in combat. So she can only take it from you in combat. And it's like, I don't care. I'm the religious zealot here and I don't care. Take the take the <laughs> stupid sword, right? Yeah. And there's the part where she goes, you're right. And I'm like, Bo-Katan, we know you're not exactly like standing on tradition. We see you at the end of Rebels. Like, yeah, here's this uh, artifact of the Sith War. Take it. There's only one left. Probably. You know, like, she doesn't seem like a character. And again, we haven't seen her in a couple of decades. Who knows what's happened? But, like, I saw a, an instant where I wish one of her subordinates, one of the other Mandos, had said the, he's right. So that it was the pressure on Bo-Katan of, like, yeah, see, we have witnesses. I can't just take it. <laughs> I have to say that I, I have to actually earn it now. Like, you know, that there's yeah. no way of getting around this social contract we have on yeah. Mandalore about that sword. Yeah. And, I mean... I I understand people's gripes here, but they literally do say in the in the episode, it's not the saber that gives power; it's the story. Sure, and, and like if I the said, story, if you know, if if she goes to Mandalore with the dark saber, and someone comes up to her and goes, "Wow, how'd you get that?" and she goes, "Oh, a Mandalorian just gave it to me." Well, but the thing about it is, it's it's the witnesses that make that problem impossible to solve. Yeah, if there were no witnesses, oh, I defeated Moff Gideon. Well, that's not what Gideon says. Uh, he's a liar. Yeah. <laughs> they executed him years ago. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I, I it's, it's such a tiny little quibble, yeah. but it is something that in the moment stuck in my head of like, Bo-Katan, you seem like someone who'd be like, well, we're not breaking the rules. I earned the saber. Look at all these stormtroopers I killed. I earned it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. We'll never talk about this. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's fine because it well, doesn't matter what happens yeah, here. It doesn't, but it's like our point earlier. It, more will come of this. Oh, it's, it's setting not up such over, an interesting you know? little wrinkle for future yeah, episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is this is a thread for the future. Now, unfortunately, at this point, the dark troopers land back on the ship, which was such a great moment. Of you know, <laughs> oh, we're just we're being boarded. Oh, how many of them are there? There's none. I, there's oh, no life signs. Yeah, and I'm just like, so good. it was just so happy because when they blew them out of space, I'm like, but they have rocket boots. <laughs> Yep, and, and they sure do. And they sure do. Uh, apparently their power lasts at least that long. Yeah. And as they're coming back to the ship, they arrive at the bridge. They're punching through the blast doors. The door is buckling and bending, and it's about to break open. When all of a sudden, a sensor goes off on the bridge. And we see a lone X-Wing just sort of drift into the hangar bay. All chill. Now, let me ask you, at what point yeah. did you go... No, I know exactly. Oh, who I'm this already is. crying at this point. Oh, okay. I'm already like for me, happy cheering. When I saw the X-wing, yeah. my first thought is like, yeah. okay, well, since we did what we did in season one, which is bring the band back together at the end of, end of the yeah. show in a very different way, and I appreciate they did the same trick but differently. Yeah. Um, I'm like, oh, I guess it might be Ahsoka. I'm like, eh, Ahsoka doesn't seem like an X-wing kind of gal. Mm -mm, no, and then you doesn't. see this cloaked figure, and I thought brilliantly the first time you see that figure walking through the hallways. It's in monochrome. It's on one of the security feeds. So you can't yeah. tell what the color of that lightsaber is, which I really appreciated. Because yeah. when you see the color of your lightsaber, you're like, oh, that's probably... And then the next shot is a gloved hand holding yeah. that lightsaber. You're like, 
oh, we're going there, huh? As soon, so as soon, so I will set the stage. It's like 5.30 in the morning, woke up nice and early, just got a brand new pair of wireless headphones to connect to my Apple TV so I could have, you know, over-the-ear, full surround sound, noise-canceling experience. So I'm sitting there at like 6 a.m. We're not getting a Christmas Star Wars movie this year, so this is the big thing, right? I'm trying to be quiet because I know you're sleeping right below me. My wife's sleeping the floor above me, so trying to be quiet here, and here I am, and we see this, and I'm like, you can tell just based on the music something is about to happen, right? because it's coming to this crescendo where you're either about to have an action beat or a revelation, right? and since I'm pretty sure our heroes are not going to defeat the Dark Troopers on their own, right? I know something's about to happen, but what is it, right? And so when you see the X-Wing, when it's... I don't want to say anticlimactic, but when you just see a single X-Wing with the white dome of an astromech coming in. Right. And I'm sure if you stop it, you could probably see it's probably marked still Red 5. It's probably well, still see, here. that I didn't notice, but I'm, you're probably right. Right. But I knew it was a classic style X-Wing. I could see a white astromech in it. And it's... to me, that's enough where I'm like, there's no way. Uh, but well... I'm. But at this point, I'm convinced and then we get into everything that follows. I just, I think the drawdown is great. And then again, yeah. once you start seeing him just wreck it, it's like, oh, yep, this is a Jedi and they're cutting through. And I saw someone comment on and, and kind of do a, sh- a break, shot breakdown that's really like, like, this is the inversion of like Darth Vader's assault on uh, the Tantive oh, Four yeah. in Rogue One. This is the, this is what a Jedi calmly looks like when they're ripping things apart. Oh, be quiet. Because <laughs> um, he's just, he's walking through this hallway and not effortlessly, but in complete confidence and calm. Yeah. Ripping these things apart. Yes. And, the, and the other part was like, as they're going through and like, after he's like sliced one, vivisected it again. Yeah. And I'm just going like, man, droids natural enemy is the Jedi, aren't they? This is like Clone Wars where we're just yeah. like, look, it's an SBD that can take out a complete, you know, platoon of clone troopers and a Jedi just comes up, cuts it in half. <gasps> Absolutely. It is, I mean, you're right. It's so satisfying to see uh, original trilogy era Jedi fight droids. Yep. I mean, first off, that's just, just that alone is satisfying. Seeing the green lightsaber in action is satisfying, right? In a modern context. And then, of course, to have this Jedi who so many fans have been saying they're clamoring for is this era of Luke specifically. This is what they want. So to have this Jedi appear here as the right. Jedi that Grogu called out to or that heard Grogu's message, you know, it it makes perfect sense in every single sense of the way. Right, especially but it's like, still... well, how do they, well, how do they know he's at the cruiser? The force. Like <laughs> Yeah, it, it doesn't matter at that point because Luke is showing here in this sort of fight sequence that he is now that omni-powerful Anakin-like figure that everyone knew he'd grow into. And and frankly, I think what we're going to build towards as we get more content is he was that character in Return of the Jedi. This Luke is only a little bit of a step above where Luke was when he defeated Darth Vader. It's just 1983 special effects and fight choreography don't make it look that way. I think it's partially that, but I think it's also we can kind of interpret that when he doesn't have the emotional baggage of trying to save his dad, he could have been doing all of this. Yeah. Like, if he actually fought at the Battle of Endor, oh my gosh, (laughs) just Stormtrooper bits everywhere. Um, And I think the last thing that also is, and even there, that calm of like, yeah, th- this is a guy who's no longer going like, 
delusions of grandeur. He's a Jedi Knight. Like, no, he is a Jedi Knight and he is only one pupil away from being a master. Yeah. Yes. He is full on night mode and it's so much fun to see. And then, of course, he gets to the bridge. He has handedly dispatched all the dark troopers. Got to point out, too, he uses crates to, like, smash and trap one and then just cuts it down on his way out of the room. He uses the force to just completely crush the last one like a tin can, which was just my favorite moment far and away. Uh, because that's very Anakin. And also a nice, uh, yes. <laughs> that's yeah, not Anakin. Yeah. Uh, and th- and that's great. I mean, you know, Darth Vader too, obviously. But, you know, that that's what that felt like to me. Well, it and reminds that was my you favorite moment. When Vader is crushing the surgical yeah. droids at the end of episode yeah. three. Yeah. my That was my favorite moment from the whole hallway scene. And then, and then you know, the door opens. He very slowly just... Hooks his lightsaber very, you know, purposefully. I like that we take a moment and pause on that. Hooks the lightsaber back on his belt and removes his hood. We can see here a little bit of, you know, some of the Force theme. And the Jedi steps are all mixed in here. All this good stuff. And what we have is essentially in Episode 6, Luke. Looks like the same outfit he wore when he entered Jabba's palace. I mean, yep. th- this is this is Luke. This is Jedi Luke. Uh, the Luke we meet in Battlefront 2, the story mode. Uh, very... You know, Mac, we were talking about this neutral. Yes. Neutral is the way to describe him. It's not that he's happy or sad. It's not that he's calm or angry. He's just, when he speaks, he's neutral. It's toneless. I think the best way to kind of echo is it reminds me of characterizations of how, like, Mace Window also has that sort of just flatness to yes. him. Um, and I think it represents that Luke is something, and we'll see this as the stories go on, like, he's something more than a Jedi. He is connected to the force and he's probably more in balance than most Jedi were as far as understanding there is a dark side, there's yeah. a light side, there's a balance yeah. to all of this stuff. For many years there was balance. Right. This is that time. This exactly. Is the balance time. And and we and we see what I I I can't wait to see mm-hmm. this gallery episode when it comes out. Um, oh my gosh. It it to me reads as like it has yeah. to be the same tech they rigged up for the flashback we see with Leia Mm -hmm. in Rise of Skywalker. And it's great to see them have that level of tech for a TV show budget. And um, let's just knock the controversy out here real quick. Some people, the effect didn't work for them and it's, it's upset them. Yeah. Awesome. I I agree that they could have been more thoughtful about maybe filming around it, like over his shoulder. There's, There's, yeah. There's a certain amount of pride that you can see in this scene of the effects team going like, look what we did. Um, it's kind of like Tarkin. Tarkin yeah. during Rogue One is great and it's pretty good. And then just uh, maybe I'm seeing this too long and you're making me think about it too much. And this scene I thought was just the perfect amount of brevity enough to yeah. that is Luke from this era. Yep. He gets to say what he needs to yep. say. And then he is casually taken yep. out of the scene. And and, and, and he, he really, really worked for me. Yeah. He uh, Here's what I'll say for me. Until we were about at his second line of dialogue, I was convinced this was an unknown actor who I didn't know. A recast. Yes. And when I realized we were back into Rogue One territory, I was a little disappointed, but only for, not for the fact of, oh, I don't feel like this looks passable to me or that I didn't enjoy it because I did. And I I felt this at Rogue One. We talked about a little bit and I'll reiterate now here is. Does anybody remember, like, the mask? Does anybody remember what CGI looked like? Because I sure do. Sure. And it looks amazing now. So, frankly, I don't understand how we can watch Rogue One and see, you know, Leia at the end and say, that looks terrible. 
maybe those are like 14 year olds who didn't see cgi in 1999 but well i think the thing about i I don't know like you know like i just don't understand that complaint i'll succinctly place this uh we talked about this a little bit off air it's one of those things if the problem with cgi is because it's not physical it's not optical as we say in the biz right it didn't actually exist you were recreating in the computer you were telling it where the light is you're telling it where the light scatters you're telling it where what the materials are made of you have to define all of that and defining reality is impossible yes so what you're doing is you're defining enough of reality that it looks right yes and that is a sliding scale that is why scenes like, um, you know, like that's why Jabba the Hutt has never looked quite right in CGI because you can't replace an 800 pound thing of latex. <laughs> and sure, it doesn't move as smoothly as CGI. It's way more expensive than CGI. It breaks all the time. But all the light, all the physicality was in the scene and it makes it real in a way that we as human beings can just tell. Yeah. And so... The problem with CGI is it is a sliding scale. Yes, if you're watching, like I do, Mortal Kombat from 1996 and you see this little vomit of color on the screen and they say, that's a creature. And you're like, I guess. In 1996, I thought that was amazing. It was mind-blowing. How's that thing there? Because it's not actually there. And at the same time, you know, we just saw... um, Avengers Endgame and I and you know one of the big compliments is how much Thanos emotes how much the actor performance comes through that Mm -hmm. and it's like yes and 10 years from now we'll go it looks okay because Davy Jones in the Pirates movies was next generation of emoting through a character and now it looks a little rough because but see does it because I don't think it does I guess that's what I'm saying is no that still looks great well, the problem because is it's the art style of that time. Here's the thing. We are asking for something that we always ask of our audiences, yeah. which is the suspension of disbelief. Yeah. Right. We have to remember you and I wink and nod each other. of This is pretend. Yeah. And we accept that we're going to take these stories as seriously happened, even yes. if no lights, light doesn't just go out so far. The lightsaber shouldn't be able to stop. Like physics tells me that, but I'm willing to suspend my disbelief of that nonsense yeah. because the story is so good. Right. Yeah. And I think for some people, them knowing Mark Hamill is an older man and cannot be this man, yeah, that is enough to yank them out of suspension of disbelief. Yeah. And, and the problem with suspension of disbelief, it's it's different for every person. Yeah. Some people, like my best friend, doesn't really like watching action movies because he says they're really unrealistic. If a guy took that, he would get shock, he would die, <laughs> there's he would have he would have concussions, he would have gone unconscious. There's all these things in action movies we wink and nod of like but yeah, he's indestructible because yeah. the movie's better that way. Yeah. And I look at him the same way with rom-coms, which I find exhaustingly non-realistic, right? So it's a sliding scale. So I'm not going to badmouth anyone who doesn't, who that took him out of the scene, but to let it ruin such a great moment and a show for you, I don't know how your suspension of disbelief, yeah, maybe you hit a speed bump. Yeah. Like I think the shuttle Tidarium, the, the Lambda shuttle crashing in this had a little bit of like, they're working at home, aren't they? Right? Like there's just a little rough edge to the texturing and the reflectivity yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. But it didn't take me out yeah. of the story. It's, just, moments, it's something I note. Yeah, those moments can happen in anything, you know, whether it's Star Wars or not. Like there's a moment in the siege where you can very clearly tell when it's those two repairmen who walk over to the Razor Crest right after he lands that they're standing against the volume. Like it doesn't look good. It doesn't look real. Right. But right. that's okay. It's that one moment and then we're past it. it. To me, it's it's to me like when you see stuff like that, as long as the CGI was done well, which it is in all of this show, yeah. it is just one of the things like when someone does a turn of phrase yeah. that says, I don't see that character saying yeah. that, you should squint a little bit and then move on. Yeah. 
Um, and like I said, I think the brevity of Luke's scene here makes, yes, if I really wanted to hide it more, I can think as a filmmaker, yeah. some ways of like, again, behind the shoulder insert shots to kind of get around it. But at the end of the day, like it's perfectly fine for what it did. Well, and that's all well and fine and good. And like, absolutely. I, you know, we're on the same page here of both saying we really liked it a lot, but yeah. like. You just want people to appreciate the fact of like, you need to understand yeah. how far we come. This is photorealistic. Yeah. I guess if you're going to also complain, if we recast the character. And that's the. Because it does feel like that Venn diagram is a circle. I agree with you that. The, the, so yeah. what do you want, I guess, to be happy? I, well, I think the answer is they don't want to be happy. Well, I think they, that's partially that. And I think it's partially also they just want their childhood to have been the one. Right. Because at the end of the day, like, let's be honest, you and I both know someday, hopefully not soon, <laughs> Mark Hamill will not be with us. Yeah. And we'll and we'll still want to tell stories of Luke because Luke is immortal. Yeah. You know, and we're going to get to a point of recasting it. And I think the answer. Like, I just think that should have happened today. But look at it. That should have happened now. We'll talk about this next of how excited we are about a Lando series. But like, look how who's complaining about Lando? No one. Like, and there aren't a lot of people complaining about Alden either right. after Solo. So, so it works. It works. So, That's, yes, so it works. We, we, this Luke and Tarkin and Leia that we've seen in these digital recreations, like, we did what you asked and yeah. you didn't like it. Yeah. So if we do the other thing, you're not going to like yeah. it. Like, to your point of like, yeah. do you just want to not like Star Wars? Do you yeah. just want to think that y- your vision of Star Wars is better than other people? Like, yeah. You know, I don't like Rogue One, yeah. but it's part of Star Wars. I'm excited about yeah. the Andor series, maybe re- rehabilitating that character for me. Star Wars is great. I want all of it for all people. And it's not going to be a surprise that as Star Wars gets bigger and crosses more boundaries and more properties, there's going to be some Star Wars that's not for you. Absolutely. But right now, Mac, I'd like to turn the page because that is Let's the end it. of what we, well, most of what we see for The Mandalorian uh for this year there is one more little snippet we're going to talk about here in one quick second but before we get to that we did take to twitter a few days ago to ask if anybody had anything they wanted us to discuss this year and since you're talking about uh you know looking forward to things in the future let's talk a little bit about uh this year and some of the things we enjoyed the most rather than some of the things that grinded our gears let's end on the positives yeah so mac uh Holly Hooligan, we, you know, we've we've spoken with him yes. before a little bit, uh, but he asked us, and I'm going to just kind of read these off one at a time, uh, so that way we can answer sure. each individually. What was your favorite book of 2020? Do you have a favorite book? Um, It feels like a year where we didn't get a lot, because a lot was delayed. So what do we have? We have, uh, from a certain point of view, Empire. We have Thrawn Ascendancy. We have mm-hmm. Queen's Peril. We have Shadowfall. Yep. Feels like I'm missing some. Um, well, I know, uh, Dark Legends. Now, this may just because it's the most recent book I've read, but like, I really like the Traveler's Guide to Batu. Like, oh, it's, yes. it's warmed my heart and made me very excited about when I get to yeah. go, especially because I can say, like, you know, um, rising moons and uh, yeah. all these other stupid catchphrases when I go to this place. Uh, so I really enjoyed that, but I, I, I gotta be honest, I'm not even done with it, but like, how can it be anything other than certain point of view? Yeah. <laughs> it's been yeah. our like, it's been our unofficial Bible here at um, yeah. Star Wars All In. And it has not, it has yet to disappoint me. It is that first one, but even better. And about a movie that I probably have a more personal connection yeah. with. 
Man, I mean, how could it not be, right? Like, how could it not be? Um, I will say, since I haven't finished Thrawn Ascendancy, yeah. uh, you know, TBD. Well, let's just put the little but, asterisk on it. The Traveler's Guide to Batuu is my favorite book I finished this year. Yes, yes. And I'm pretty sure that when I look back on 2020, I'll be like, well, that was a terrible year, but man, that Empire book's really good. <laughs> uh, yes. Okay, for me, it's very much Queen's Peril. Uh, as okay. far as all of the canonical books uh, that you know came out this year, but yeah, from a certain point of view, Empire will be the one that I will have the rosiest view of uh, going out of 2020 for sure, especially once I finish it, mm-hmm. because I know there's only good stuff to come. Uh, I'm only about four tenths of the way through it, you know, just <laughs> to just to give everybody an idea. Um, but great, but man, it was good. But I can't shout enough queens about enough good about Queen's Peril. So absolutely check that out. And then a follow-up to that, yeah. what was your favorite part of From a Certain Point of View, Empire Strikes Back? And it's hard for us to say because we haven't finished it, but so far, so far yeah. out of where I am, um, I really, really enjoyed Dak's story. Okay. Dak Jensen, yep. Uh, no, Dak Ralter. Ralter? Wait. No, no. J- yeah, Jensen's yeah. Wedge's pilot. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I, sorry wow, we sorry. had a moment no, of no, like no. looking at each other. It's just going to be one of those days, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I really like The Naturalist on Hoth. That's a very good Which one. was a fun one about a guy who just decides, like, the Empire won't find me. The Wampas won't find me. The, the Rebellion won't find me. I'm just going to go live in the ice caves. I'm, love, I'm in love with this ecosystem, and yeah. I can't walk away from it. I need to keep studying it. I really, really liked that one a lot. Uh, I have to admit, it's very <laughs> odd. So I'm consuming this through the audiobook. Um, last time I read certain point of view and then I eventually listened to the audiobook version of it. I've been kind of doing that in reverse Yeah. that like a year from now, I'll probably read certain point of view again, yeah. but read it. So from that perspective, and this is only because of the voice, a Wampa story <laughs> was amazing because yeah. Star Wars voice actor extraordinaire, Sam Whitmer. <laughs> Yeah, just brings so much anger and frustration and primal energy to the story of a wampa. It was so, it caught me so off guard. It's so well performed, and it just makes this such a visceral impression of how like, oh, Hoss a rough place, and these wampas are just eking out an existence that's really tough. And Sam Weber is just like when. When his arm gets cut off, like the seething heat and pain ran oh, through, like just gritting through book. his teeth. Like it's so good. I need to do this audiobook so, so bad. Oh boy. Um, okay. Uh, so that's what I would say for that. That I totally get it. Um, we'll get back to you, Holly, on uh, when we finish. Final impressions, but our first impressions yeah. are there. Because I'm sure we'll do a topic on it here in the first part of 2021. Uh, do you have a favorite game or toy? From 2020 Mac, a favorite release? Uh, For me, it was Squadrons. Like, as far as game goes, like, Squadrons was so great as far as, like, giving me that Star Wars experience. Like, sitting in the cockpit, playing X-Wing back in, like, 94. This is what my brain thought I was seeing. Yeah, totally. (laughs) You know what I mean? Totally, totally, totally. Uh, I'm glad you were able to enjoy it so much. I do want to play some more Squadrons. Uh, I definitely put more time into Racer this yeah. year um but i will play good. some more squadrons there wasn't any other really games besides like board games and mobile games oh it's you know a bad year for for board games i, I haven't play played it but uh knights of the old republic 2 just got a release on ios oh that's great so if you want to play knights of the old republic 2 uh you can now play a very modern 
yeah. you know, modern control, easy to access version. I think the best way to talk about the Knights of Republic, they're a little rough. They're old games now. You know, they're 15 years old or in the case of two, what would that be? 13 years old or whatever. Um, but the stories are still really good. The voice acting, the writing, that all is still great. And you... Yeah. If you've not treated yourself to knowing the character of HK-47, you really deserve to do that. <laughs> yes. Yes, you do. Um, especially after watching Mandalorian this year. Um, <laughs> boy, I mean, favorite toy is a tough one because it was a big year. I especially really like the Mandalorian Super Commando figure. Uh, I mean, so for me, it's all about the different Black Series figures, right? Uh, So the Mandalorian Super Commando figure, Walmart exclusive from the final arc of the Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. You know, the red and green kind of Gar Saxon with the horns. Right. Uh, Great figure. Honestly, though, out of every figure I got this year, um, being the 40th anniversary of Empire, I feel like I have to go with a 40th anniversary Empire figure. And I feel like that is the Luke and Yoda Dagobah Training Deluxe 2-pack. Okay. Which you can get on sale all the time. It seems like it's always on sale. So if you want it. But the detail on the new Yoda comes with two different head sculpts, eyes closed and eyes open. Mm-hmm. And it comes That's with nice. the backpack, you know, and it's the sleeveless Luke kind of wet in the mud. <laughs> uh, but just the Yoda compared to the original Black Series Yoda and compared to the Ghost Force Ghost Yoda Black Series figure is just, it's a better scale, it's better detail, it's better colors, it's better material, and it's just so nice to have such a great screen-accurate Yoda in the Black Series line. Um, and also the Zebaralius figure we got this year in Black Series. Pretty good. That was like the last Rebels figure we're waiting on besides like Adult Ezra and, uh, you know, Blind Kanan. Uh, we haven't gotten those Other than yet. variants, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but like that is like the last big one we were waiting on, and he's gorgeous. Uh, <laughs> also, first figure I got, uh, shout out to the new Black Series packaging. Oh. Uh, he was the first one I got this year in the new packaging. Um, I, yeah, I would say it's probably that Luke and Yoda Dagobah training, just because that's so much fun. Uh, shout out to the Imperial Probe Droid Black Series figure. It's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It's huge. Oh, shout out to the Snowspeeder, too, though. Yeah. Oh, the Snowspeeder came out this year. Man. Big year for toys. It was a big year, and we also got some love for the prequel figures this year. That feels like that was so long ago, but lots of great clone troopers now. We got, um, if it hasn't already, there's a re-release of Rex coming out. Um, You know, Bly and Fox were this year. Uh, Reprint of Gree this year. So lots and lots of great uh, they're doing Cody, I think, in the archive wow. series if they haven't already. So lots of love for clones this year. I think as far as physical things I can do, because like I saved all my pennies to go to Celebration, and yeah. I was going to spend a lot at Disneyland um, buying lightsabers and such. I think realistically, the only thing I can say, and and it's little, but like I was very charmed by it. Like I now own three copies of Sabacc, and that makes me really happy. <laughs> I have the Han Solo tie-in yeah. game that came out when Solo came out, but this year. A friend uh, smuggled me Sabak from Galaxy's Edge, which was great. And then most importantly, like fun little thing is uh, Target had that great, you know, imported from Black Spire mm-hmm. kind of run where they were doing some of the stuff that was inspired by or was originally only available on Batu. And I have the Sabak playing cards that are cut like the hexagons of Sabak, but they're our standard normal, um, you know, 52 card deck. And yeah. Uh, that just makes me happy. Just it, yeah. the, it, the fact it exists and I own it just makes me happy. Yes, 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 yes. Um, man, Sabak is a good one. 
Yeah. All right. I love it. All right. One more final question from Holly. Do you have a favorite topic we did this year? Or any that jump out at you? Oh, I feel like this is cheating, but like our May the 4th special of Mortis is, I think, some of the best podcasting we have ever done. Oh, man, our May the 4th special was really good. I was going to say, so I had two. Okay. Uh, our Rise of Kylo Ren I was retrospective. Good. I really, really liked that one where we talked about all four issues of the Rise of Kylo Ren. The Mortis trilogy breakdown was really fun for our May the 4th special. And I had a lot of fun with our April Fool's episode this year. Oh my gosh, that was this year. That was this year, I know. Well, that also was like months of planning. So like uh-huh. I had some of those files living in living with me way before April. Yes, 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 yes. yes, yes. <laughs> we definitely recorded most of that pre-quarantine from my memory. <laughs> yeah, I think we did. You're right. Uh, I, I uh, did really enjoy that. But that was a ton that of was fun, fun too. <laughs> so we, we really had, we had some great times this year recording some different episodes. Um you know, I, it's so hard to like pick a favorite. I don't know. I mean, you know what? I actually had a really a ton of fun talking about just because I really connected with the character this year on a way I hadn't in the past three years. But Jin Erso, mm. we we covered Jin in episode thirty, which was back in March. Yep. Um, and you know, we talked about it before, but one of my favorite things about Star Wars this year was coming to terms with what Rogue One is. And as much as sure. I don't like Rogue One as a standalone movie. Uh, Rogue One, the story of it, and more importantly, the story of Jin. When you take into account Catalyst and Rebel Rising, is a unbelievably entertaining and fun and enjoyable multimedia Star Wars project. Mm-hmm. And I think if they had just marketed it that way, it would have been great. I, but yeah, the Rogue One movie, when you have cardboard characters, is you know it just doesn't. Well, that's work the for whole me. thing that's nice about Rogue One is it, you and I both complain about the lack of meaningful character arcs yeah. and the lack and the suppressed feel of some of those characters. Yeah. The great thing is the supplemental material yes. keeps fleshing them out, yes. widening them up, th- making them yes. more three dimensional, yes. and that's why I said like I haven't watched Rogue One since it yeah. made me really upset. Um, and so I'm looking forward to watching the Andrew series and seeing if that yeah. rehabilitates that character. Cause I think if that works well, I I'll have it in my heart <laughs> to give Rogue One a second chance. Oh, and you know, as much as I have come to terms with a loving Jin this year, I am so looking forward to what the future of star Wars holds, including the Andor series, Obi-Wan Kenobi, the bad batch, the book of Boba Fett, Mandalorian season three, the Alkalite, a droid story, Lando, <laughs> And every other one that I am forgetting. Plus, in just a few weeks, the High Republic. It's coming soon. It's coming so soon. So stick around with us for next week. As we close the book on season two, we are so excited to get started on season three and see what 2021 brings us. But that's a story for later because I'm Mac. And I'm Ross. And until next Wednesday. May the force be with you. This production is not endorsed by any other property and is the sole responsibility of Mac Purvis III, Ross Greco, and those involved in its production. It is meant for entertainment purposes only. Other than content provided by this production's providers, all music, music clips, sound bites, rights are reserved, and their respective owners have not endorsed any aspect of this show. Copyright 2021.